What's up, guys? It's yours truly, OK Fabe, and this month's episode of Wrestling Retrospective is brought to you by, well, Patreon. Patreon.com slash OK Fabe. We get a ton of cool bonus goodies, including early access to a ton of stuff, live NXT reviews, a random wrestling podcast post show that's exclusive for patrons, and you get access to shows like this early. In fact, if you guys are listening to this now, chances are the next episode is already up there on Patreon. So if you guys want to get a month in advance early of the latest Wrestling Retrospective, head over to Patreon.com slash OK Fabe and check out all the cool bonus stuff. What is going on, guys? It is yours truly, OK Fabe here. Welcome back to episode number three. I can't believe we got it this fucking far of Wrestling Retrospective. We take a deep dive in look uh, into your, uh, well, favorite, maybe not so favorite, pro wrestling personalities. We uncover the vast history of some of these people. Um, I am not alone, though. I am with the Robin to my Batman, the Silent Bob. Well, not so Silent Bob. They'll make a podcast really hard to do. To my Jay, I've got Mr. Jake DeMarco. Countdown ended. What's going on, Jay? I miss my family and I want to I want to go home. I don't I don't want to do these anymore. Holy I, oh, 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 ow. I, I mean, hi, Connor. I'm happy to be here and uh, I'm very excited to, to, to be covering today's topic with the one, the only, the Miz. Now, Man. today should be excellent. I've been looking forward to this person in particular for quite some time. He's very polarizing. Love him or hate him. He definitely commands your attention. So I'm excited to see, uh, you know what we both think about certain aspects of his, you know, entrance into the wrestling world and his accomplishments. And I, I also have some feedback from, from, a, you know, some of your loyal patrons and fans. So I'm curious to see what they thought as well. Well, first and foremost, you sound so much better since we're recording this on Discord. So I apologize. The last couple of ones, obviously, we were doing this over Skype. Uh, recently, myself and Jake DeMarco put our two coconut brains together and actually figured out how to do this on Discord. So we were able to have the quality sound so much better. I know, I think some of you are like, Jake sounds like he's drowning on the first episode with Dolph Ziggler. So uh, I'm glad we were able to make this really crystal clear. And yeah, uh, we had a ton of feedback from the last now two episodes. We're on the third one right now. And uh, as we mentioned at the beginning of this uh, podcast, you guys can listen to uh, the next episode a month in advance, basically. If you go over to Patreon and become a gold patron, uh, you guys get access to that and a plus of other cool uh, bonus goodies. So make sure you guys are in on that. Go check that out. And uh, we had an overwhelming response. We made the Dolph Ziggler one public. And uh, I think the number one, which is this one, the number one requested one by everybody is The Miz. And it's it's very interesting, like you were saying, how he is very polarizing. And I fear, Jake, that we're going to break our two-hour record with Dolph Ziggler, and we might do that tonight because, uh, Jesus Christ, there's a lot to go through. There's a lot to cover, but there's also a lot of interesting tidbits, facts, and moments that I wasn't even privy to that was going on in the background. So it's interesting to see how much The Miz has had to endure as well. Yeah, I mean, let's hopefully not have to write all our notes on our wrist like he have to do for the fucking Total Divas, uh, or the Diva Search, rather. But uh, this one, <laughs> I just remember that vividly for some reason, like off the top of my head, like he had to like, he couldn't read the number on the, the Diva Search thing, he had to look up on the Titantron. I mean, shit, if I was in that situation, I'd do the exact same thing. But of course, guys, love to hear your thoughts, your feedback on all this. So hit us up, guys, in the comments on social media. I am at OKFabe on Twitter. Mr. Jake DeMarco is at Countdown Ended. Love to hear your thoughts, feedback, and suggestions suggestions on who you want to see next obviously you guys can go back on the archives and check out the first episode with Dolph Ziggler the second one with X-Pac aka Sean Wolman aka 6 aka 6-Pac aka 
I don't even know the one, two, three kid. Man, fucking, I'm afraid. Like, if we, if someone suggests someone like big name, like Triple H or Undertaker, Shawn Michaels, that might be like a two or three parter. A couple people actually asked me about that. Like, will you do someone big? And I'm like, realistically, with the amount of time that me and Jake put into this and the wrestling nerdum that we have, it would probably be a two parter, probably right. Yeah, at least. <laughs> I just, I'm, yeah. I'm terrified now. Someone's gonna like Triple H. <laughs> God damn it. All right, so let's get – I guess we might as well right, just dive right into the thick of things here, and let's start off with um, Michael Gregory Mizanin, also known as The Miz, born October 8th, 1980, of course known as a professional wrestler, actor, and quote-unquote media personality. Uh, as of this recording, we are recording this on January 10th, 2019. Uh, so as of right now, uh, just to give you guys an idea timeline-wise, in case you guys are listening to the future or whatever have you, uh, he is currently on the SmackDown brand t- I can't believe I'm saying this. He's teaming with Shane McMahon to create a tag team and actually going to be challenging for the SmackDown tag team titles at the Royal Rumble. Um, no, I'm, Which I'm not. Which fans are not happy about either. The backlash that they've been receiving on Twitter after the announcement of this on SmackDown this past Thursday. People are just not happy. Can't blame them. But so much for a new era, right? McMahon putting Bullshit. himself into the spotlight. I've never <laughs> seen that. Hey, there's going to be a new era, new. So we're going to get rid of Paige, and Shane's going to become tag team champion. Exactly. Well, yeah. as far as the you know two thirds best in the world trophy holder goes, the Miz, the awesome one, the chick magnet, the Grand Mizard of Lust, which are some of his nicknames. Oh my god, I forgot IMDb. about that other one. <laughs> he graduated with honors, believe it or not, it was an honor society at Normandy High School, and then he attended uh, Miami University of Ohio. There, he was a member of the Theta Chi fraternity. And while in college, uh, he auditioned for MTV's The Real World. He saw a casting call on MTV. He had his doubts, but he went ahead and actually made it onto the 10th season. So, and this is when they went back to New York. And that's kind of where his story starts. And the funny thing is, um, I know I'm jumping way the fuck ahead on this but he still gets involved with the real world like he comes back and he and he and we'll probably talk about this later on but he has come back for several seasons as either like a guest or a host or whatever the hell have you so it's funny how you know a lot of us or a lot of wrestling fans sometimes like shit on people who come in from outside the wrestling bubble and coming into wwe miz is kind of like the the the, the guy like the, the the little engine that could he and we'll get more into this but that's kind of like the general feel i get with well, him yeah he had un, you know the pretty unconventional means to get into the wrestling business i mean nowadays reality shows are a little bit more welcomed in the sense you no know, it tough enough and a few other avenues but i mean for what he did at that point in time people really snubbed him and looked down on him i mean which led to the hazing and other issues that he faced and had to persevere through in the back but I mean, there's also a lot of drama that he caused himself, granted. But, I mean, him going ahead and, and making a character on the on the real world and being able to, you know, transcribe that enough and, and, and transpose it onto the wrestling world is, is just fascinating in its own right. So Yeah, and like I said, it is, it is kind of crazy to think that here's a reality TV star that made it into – wwe and you know once we get into like his his uh 
his accolades, he's kind of, and you don't really think about this when you think like when you when you when you hear fans say like the most decorated athlete or the most decorated WWE superstar, you usually think Shawn Michaels, maybe even Triple H. Um, I'm trying to think of other big names that have kind of like like you know Grand Slam, Seth Rollins in some cases, Dean Ambrose in some yeah. cases, you know guys who have like won all the major championships. And Jesus, does he go through all those? But I'm jumping ahead. It's the ADD in me. Let's get well, through. <laughs> you're right, though, because he certainly, you know, for someone that started with maybe not so humble beginnings, he he's never one to shy away from his origin story. He definitely, you know, a- adheres to the name and, and, you know, stays true. He is real. <laughs> you know, he 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 does not, you know, shy from the fact that this is where he started and he makes note of it and he often brings it to, to light. You know, he, he doesn't try and keep his past in the past. So right. I, I admire him for that. I'm, I feel bad for Maurice having to go back and watch all that shit. Like, I mean, you know, when you go back and you watch yourself when you were younger and it's kind of cringeworthy. I mean, eh, <laughs> oh, I just yeah. feel bad. I just feel bad that the whole world. But it's funny because I feel like and maybe this is just me because I'm thinking back to when Miz first started or when Miz like first appeared in WWE. Um, I never heard of him. But then again, I never watched Real World or Road Rules. And so, like, I know he's on Real World, not uh, Road Rules. But, like, I never really heard of him, so I don't think that kind of did anything to help. Like, you would think, like, you know, like, take Ronda Rousey, for example. Now, this is a very big fucking comparison. But, like, Ronda obviously had a reputation coming in before WWE. Uh, there have been other people who have been signed that had a reputation before WWE and they were hoping or, or I would like to think that maybe that momentum would be carried in to do that and uh, nope yeah, not a single f- being another one you know there's, there's that, yeah. that have- folks we're comparing I, I just made a comparison of Ronda Rousey Kurt Angle to the Miz so if you want to feel free <laughs> dislike me on Twitter I'm at countdown ended and you can just block me there yeah hey <laughs> But no, you are you are you know making an excellent point there, and it's just it, it certainly is astounding that he is able to be in the same category as these people. But he has a you know accumulated and accrued quite the uh, you know number of championship victories and accolades as time has gone on. Right, and it is just kind of it, it's just weird. But let's dive into his actual wrestling uh, career, and it's funny enough, and I think he's mentioned this before, and it's been made mention on. Other documentaries and other series, uh, but very, very candidly, because everybody wants to talk about the real world and then jumping right into Tough Enough. And there's actually something interesting where he trained in an indie fed. So he technically was on the independent circuit for a while. It was brief, but he was part of Ultimate Pro Wrestling uh, from 2003 to 2004. So to give you guys a timeline. Miz was on Real World at 2001, right? Uh, Yes, and then he also went on to a slew of other MTV reality shows. The Gauntlet, Battle of the Seasons, you know, the Inferno, Battle of the Sexes, the Inferno 2. He uh, even returned to the Real World Road Rules Challenge down the line. That was later in 2012, but, you know, still, he's he's been on a, a slew of other reality shows. So after the Real World, he went into uh, Bravo's Battle of the Network Reality Stars, his team finished second, and then he was also a part of Fear Factor. What the fuck? <laughs> his partner was his former girlfriend and castmate. Um, it's Trishel Cantanella, uh, Cantella, excuse me. Hell of a wow. Name there. Uh, they won the Fear Factor competition then, 
And, you know, he went on in 2007 to be an identity. That was another game show where he appeared as a stranger and a contestant. Um, it, you know, it just goes on and on. He was on the Ghost Hunter series. Are you smarter than a fifth grader? And so on and so forth. So he's he's been through the ringer as far as uh, reality shows and game shows are concerned. I mean, that's kind of smart move on WWE's part, because if you think about it, I'm looking through all these dates and everything. This is well into his WWE run. And so this is like, you know, the, the real world was 2001. He kind of dabbled a little bit in a couple of other ones. But then really, like, those ones you just mentioned toward the end, like Smarter Than a Fifth Grader, blah, 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 those were kind of like in 08, 09. So he was kind of already deep. I mean, that time, I, I well, I'll look into it. I think he might have been in ECW at that point in time. But still, the fact that he keeps going back to these things and, A, WB allowed it, which I didn't even realize because if you do the timeline up, it's like, oh, yeah, shit, he did go over and do that. Um, it was yeah, kind of weird. Yeah, he was in the real world, like you said, 2001, but he stayed on not just the real world, but he transitioned to the real world Road Rules Challenge show that they had. That was he was on multiple seasons of that as well. So it wasn't until, you know, 2004, about three years after the fact, um, where he made his in-ring debut. uh, And that was in Ultimate Pro Wrestling, UPW. Yep. As you said, the indie time, you know, that he had. And he went ahead and used the character that he created on the real world known as The Miz. So he competed in UPW's Matt Wars tournament, making it to the finals. So, he, you know, it didn't win, but, you know, he did make it to the finals of that competition. So... So I know it's like a very small footnote, but just something I always thought was interesting. And, and he, I, he has mentioned it, too. And I think that... I'm trying to remember how this worked out because I think... Yeah, okay, yeah. I was going to say, I thought he went back to the Indies. I'm just looking through my notes real quick, and he didn't. But the, but the fact that he did did have a very brief, like, yearish run in the independent scene before going over to Tough Enough um, is a little well-known fact that you'll probably see and hear a lot of these on these wrestling retrospectives. There's much time we have, folks. This is this is what we do. Wrestling you know, nerds collide. A lot, leave, <laughs> a lot of people leave that fact out. They like to just say that he went straight into Tough Enough. And obviously, WWE... They have taken people that don't have hardly any experience and trained them before, but that was more recent, you know, now that they have the, you know, the performance center and, you know, more of their own developmental thing going on. But at this point in time, it was, you either were already ready-made star and anyone going into tough enough was, was kind of like a seasoned vet in their own fields for the most part. Now I'm, I'm going to completely veer left here because fuck it. Um, and I don't know when we'll get a chance to talk about this again. Fuck, I'm sounding like Conrad Thompson a lot. But um, <laughs> it is your show. You this take di- this um this just kind of made me think about the tough enough that they tried. When you said when we were talking about tough enough before you even touched the one that they did in 04, which by the way I think was probably one of the better versions they ever did. Um, I was thinking about it, the. It was better production wise. I just didn't like that year. Go figure. You know what of wrestling in general. Well, no, the tough enough, uh, you know, the oh. cast, you know, Daniel Pewter, the Miz, I, I really wasn't about it. So. We got the Ryback. Yeah, him as well. <laughs> he just eats, I remember Al Snow. He just eats everything. He just, you know, I constantly see him with a sandwich in his mouth. You know? That was that was that was the best part of the whole thing. But no, I mean, it, the the reason I like this one is because if you go back through, like, just real quick on the histories of tough enough, and I don't have the notes here. I'm just completely flying off the handle with this. I remember there was like. There had to been like I know there was at least two, maybe there was a third one where it was like the reality TV style, like the the way that it was like the reality TV competition style shows, and I loved um I loved that I thought it was pretty cool, 
But this one was unique because they integrated it into the 2004 one we're about to talk about, integrated it into SmackDown. Because remember, Raw had the Diva search and then so SmackDown because they were still like pretty brand heavy, like separating the brands as much as they possibly could. And so SmackDown had the million dollar tough enough challenge, which we'll get into in a minute. Um, but I just remembered back to the most recent tough enough that they just did. And man, it makes me wish they brought back this version of it. Yeah, what a failure that ended up feeling like. It just felt like a, a huge had Stone waste Cold. Of time. How the fuck can you screw it up with Stone Cold? Ugh. Oh, you're talking about the one with Stone Cold was the host, and yeah, the, the yeah, what was it? Um, I, I was I was referring to the most recent one with you know where uh, Hulk Hogan was on, where you had you know oh, the oh, and people like that. I completely the blanked one that on Joe that. Actually applied for. I know. I, I completely I always kind of scrapped that one out in my mind because they allowed fans to submit videos and. I usually tend to skip over that myself. Yeah, because the one Miz was a part of, the Million Dollar Tough Enough season, was season four, actually. Yep. So the, the problem was, as you said, you know, season one was a, a real, you know, shit show, essentially. They had Al Snow, Jacqueline, Taz, and Tori, and those were your trainers. And they would bring people in to, you know, be guest trainers at that point in time, but no one really ended up doing anything that won you know it, it was it was a very miss which is season which is really the biggest I irony of this because and again spoiler alert Miz becomes the second uh, runner-up yeah in the 2004 and, and the, exactly and you know he went on for more success than any of is, the tough enough so far I mean you look I was at the about first year they had it and when when Maven and uh, Nidia won they did nothing Nowinski essentially had a, a bit more fuel in his tank until the uh you know concussion issues came up with him but you know you you, you look at what came after that with season two same, same kind of issues season three was a real mess because people were quitting on the first day of training and they were bringing people back and it was you know just a, a real true shit show but man the only thing that we have of note from season three is that, you know, Johnny Nitro, you know, who be, then became, well, it was John Hennigan who became Johnny Nitro, then John Morrison won. So who would you say, just shooting off the hip here, who would you say was the more successful tough enough contestant, Miz or uh, Johnny Mundo? <laughs> God damn it. Johnny Mundo, Nitro, Morrison, Impact, <laughs> fucking so many last names. I, I would say I would say the Miz. Interesting. Absolutely. I mean, I, yeah, I because you, you have to outweigh those WWE accolades a little bit more compared to others. Like, unfortunately, yeah, I, I would if you would if you would poll, you know, 100 people and who do you know and what have they done? You know, that kind of idea. Mm. And you go family feud style. We've asked 100 people. Who do you know more about? You know, the Miz or, you know, Johnny. The Nitro Marine Mundo 17. <laughs> Jesus. Uh, you know, Johnny's had a, a big impact on the wrestling world, but not as much, I feel, as the Miz has. I, I, that's a fair statement, I think. So, anyway, let's talk about the actual Tough Enough as we veered off that for fucking 20 minutes. Uh, October <laughs> 2004, Mike Mizanin entered the fourth season of Tough Enough, um, of course, where it was the million-dollar Tough Enough. As I mentioned before, the Raw had the Diva Search. Um, the, was it was it quarter? Yeah, it was quarter-million-dollar Diva Search. Um, I'm going off of memory, by the way, which is fucking horrible. It shows you how much of a life I have. Um, quarter-million-dollar Diva Search on Raw and then the million-dollar Tough Enough on SmackDown. And it's interesting because... Miz, um, like we said, made it to the final round. And what we what, what I was mentioning about one of the reasons why I like this ver or why I liked this version is because again, 
first three seasons were kind of reality based. The last two that we just had were like the it was more like American Idol or like the like voice kind of style, which is kind of weird with like judges and it was weird. But this one was cool because it it it, it integrated things into the um the the SmackDown show. Now they weren't part of any main storylines for the most part, but you would have moments where like I remember like the guys had to like make out with Mae Young. They had to survive a uh, scoop slam from the Big Show. They had to <laughs> they had to do a shoot wrestle with Kurt Angle. Do you remember that one? Yeah, Daniel Pewter won, and they were pissed. Yeah, I mean, well, the ref counted to three because Pewter went ahead and locked in the Kimura and <laughs> wasn't letting it go. And as we know, you know, any other you know UFC or MMA fighter would have tapped long into the way he had that locked in. Angle, knowing he couldn't tap for obvious reasons, gave the ref a look. The ref counts to three, even though Pewter's shoulders weren't <laughs> nearly down. So they ended that way. And backstage, Kurt was belligerent. He was irate. And this was coming from many interviews, including Dave Meltzer as well. Yeah. And he was so ticked off that, you know, <laughs> he said that the unscripted nature of the contest was the main reason that Angle was made to look so bad since Pewter just reacted to the situation. And he could have forced Angle to submit had the referees not thought quickly and counted a pin that wasn't there on Pewter. <laughs> and that's Dave Scherer saying that. So, I mean, it, oh, it really was. And that's why, you know, Pewter was such a failure to launch because not only did that get in his own way, but he got in his own way too with his attitude. So Well, it was. it's weird because... Um... When I was researching this, I was trying to remember, like, okay, I know Miz lost. We get to the final two between Pewter and Miz, and they actually go into a um, a match. Or sorry, what was it? A three round Dixie dog fight at, at Armageddon in two thousand four, uh, which <laughs> yes. is basically a fucking boxing match. Um, neither man got a knockout, and the contest was awarded to Pewter because of crowd reaction. And you can't tell me that is the most ironic thing. Again, not only does the Miz come in second place, but he comes in second place from a round of applause. Yeah, and because neither man got the knockout here, which they were aiming for. They really thought that, I guess backstage, they, they, they had presumed that Pewter was going to knock out the Miz. But like, they thought that was a done deal, and they wouldn't have to have it go to you know, the judge's <laughs> card or anything like that. So they didn't have any judge card set up. And lo and behold, they were like, oh, we're going to have to go to the crowd's reaction. But it, and even it, that was kind of set up for The Miz to lose, I guess. Maybe it was one of those taped over crowds. Although it was live on pay-per-view, so they're fucked. Yeah, no, what? but they, they they had set it in such a way when they announced it and to build him up. You know, it, it's like, oh, yeah, it was like The Miz or Daniel Pewter. Yeah. So. Yeah. But I just, I mean, again, hindsight's twenty twenty. It, it's just very... It's very funny to me that like that's not only is that not only did Miz lose, but that's how he lost. Given what yeah. we're what greatness he's going to achieve in the and next he decade, ended up with victory and defeat there because he piqued the interest of McMahon and you know several others up top in WWE. So he was offered a developmental contract and sent to Deep South Wrestling. He trained. He relocated to Georgia and he wrestled a few dark matches later in 2005. And he teamed up with, uh, you know, former Tough Enough uh, champion, excuse me, Matt Capitelli, excuse me. And I know his, his last name is hard for me to pronounce, too. Yeah, I always mess it up. By the way, rest so, in peace to Matt Capitelli after the, I mean, if you, whew, oh my God. the story of him and what he went through, you got to, they, they should make a documentary on that for the network, swear to God. That would be great. You figure I'd love to everything see that. that he 
suffered through and all the surgeries and 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 just trials and Ugh. tribulations and and just it was a nightmare scenario. But but anyway, guy, if it wasn't for bad luck, he'd have no luck at all. And he was just so humble too. That was the thing. Well, he was he was paid to be a monster deal. Like they were really high on him in OVW. Yeah. But that. But anyway, I'm I'm I don't want to. I don't want to get off topic, but if you it, trust me, guys, you, you got to listen to the story. Like, go do the research about Matt Capitelli. It's incredible to see what he went through. Wrestling but anyway, also. Go. So we then went ahead and we saw uh, Deep South Wrestling. Uh, wrestling. They go ahead and they crown their first ever inaugural heavyweight champion. Uh, the Miz goes ahead and wins the tournament by defeating Mike Knox in the finals. So. You know, certainly a great accolade to add to, uh, you know, his list of accomplishments. He's the first Deep South Wrestling heavyweight champion. So keep track at home, folks, because there's going to be a lot of fucking titles we're going to talk about in this one. Jesus Christ. Um, there he continued to uh, team with Capitelli throughout the second half of 2005 in dark matches and house shows until... Uh, you know, Capitelli was diagnosed with a brain tumor after an injury at a taping in December 2005. So, you know, that was a, an unfortunate thing that happened and, you know, kind of took him out of the running, obviously. So, And an interesting little side note that after uh, I mentioned here that Capitelli, when he passed away uh, last year, actually it was, it was in 2018, Miz revealed that apparently they were supposed to be called up to the SmackDown roster as a tag team known as Reality Check in 2005, which, man... Again, I don't want to bring this whole show down, but like it was just man, I wish I could have seen what Matt and what it could have done the main roster, even if he wasn't part yeah. of a tag team with Miz, you know. But fuck. But um, anyway, we then find out that Miz goes from DSW to OVW. That's right, he's at Ohio Valley Wrestling, and uh, Mike the Miz goes ahead uh, in January 18, 2006, makes his debut as the Miz with a Miz TV segment. He's shown talking backstage. So uh, January 28th episode, The Miz wrestles his first singles match against Rene Dupree, but he loses by count out. Wah, wah, wah. <laughs> February 8th, you know, The Miz continues, and uh, The Miz and Chris Cage capture the OVW Southern Tag Team Championships by defeating Chet the Jet and Seth Skyfire. Held that, sound, there. that sounds like a high, like, um, what's that kid's? Skylanders. That sounds like a Skylander set of fucking re rejects. Chet the Jet and Seth Skyfire. Those sounds like fucking right. horrible names. Facing Chris Cage and Mike the Miz, you know. And unfortunately, Miz's partner uh, was released in what was deemed a disciplinary move. So they had to, unfortunately, drop the titles, obviously, since his partner was no longer there. And, uh, you know, the Miz would continue to uh practice his craft and hone his abilities in OVW until uh later on that year uh, around March you'd start to see vignettes on SmackDown where they started to herald the debut of the Miz coming on SmackDown now this was uh, <laughs> this I thought was really funny because so he's getting ready for the jump right He's done enough. He's he was DSW's first champion. He jumps over to OVW, does a couple things there, mostly in tag team. But he's ready to make his debut, and they show uh, vignettes and, and all that, like you just said on SmackDown. And then when Miz actually attempts to make his debut on April twenty first, 
in the in, in a, he was he was storylined banned from entering the arena by then network executive Palmer Cannon, who told him that he had been canceled before having security escort him from the premises. So they <laughs> build a, him up. What a, what a slap in the face! For it's that. fucking Emelina. It's Emelina it, it all over really, again. It really is. It really is. And by the way, for those of you who didn't know, um, they did this weird angle on SmackDown for a while where Teddy Long was being harassed by this guy named Palmer Cannon. He was from the UPN. He was like a network representative, um, which uh, or network executive, which, by the way, Pete Palmer Cannon, his initials, PC. So they were trying to make him. That was <laughs> yeah. that was a whole fucking joke. It was fucking horrible. Um, but Miz finally broke through the mold and finally made his debut as, and this is a weird thing, SmackDown's host... And see, that's the thing. They knew that he had the ability to hype up the crowd and get people excited. But the gimmick he had wasn't really going anywhere at this point. You know, there he was hosting uh, bikini contests and backstage interview duties, you know, were constantly handed out to him. It seems sporadic at best. And, he, you know, weeks, you know, weeks would go by where he'd have little to no involvement at all. But. I mean, it just people wanted to see more of them at that time, but you just you weren't getting it. So but but I mean, like it's it's kind of it's an awkward role because you already have like, what the fuck is he going to do? Like, it, 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 especially in that time where they were very GM heavy, it's like it's fucking smacked. I don't know what the fuck it was doing in 2006. No, uh, no, they but, had, they had a, 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 you know, a wealth of talent and unfortunately a lot of new stars and they didn't know how to integrate the two, I feel. But the, I mean, the whole, the whole idea of a host on a wrestling show, right, is a cool idea. But if you already have like an authoritative figure on there, which they did at the time of of um, fucking Palmer Cannon or Palmer Hands Cannon and uh, Teddy Long, holla holla. Like what? What else is he? What else is he, he's going to go out there and announce a segment? Like what the fuck? That's so fucking yeah, pointless. You have a ring announcer. You have commentators. You know and. That was kind of the issue that JBL had with him at this time. JBL could not understand why this reality TV star was being given airtime. And he, he showed his clear you know disdain for The Miz uh, on commentary. It was very apparent how his <laughs> true feelings were coming across. He was very harsh towards The Miz. Anytime that he was seen, JBL would just shit all cannot, over him. Cannot wait to talk about that. Um, which I'm trying to find actually the notes on like when that was being talked about, which is funny because you know, shows you how much the times have changed when JBL bullies Mauro Ronaldo, it's a very different situation, but Miz got fucking reamed. But granted, yeah. different times, a very different situation too. I'm not, I'm not trying to belittle the whole JBL, you know, Mauro thing whatsoever at all, but just kind of no, but it, weird it, times, you know, yeah. different world a decade ago. We know JBL has is, is been quite the, the bully throughout the years. And, you know, we know the Miz, his promos weren't polished. His in-ring ability at this point was leaving a lot to be desired, but, you know, he was still early in development, and a lot of people seem to forget that. He had charisma. He had talent. He had a raw ability. He could connect with the crowd. He can get people excited. You know, people saw this in him, you know, higher up. Vince knew that he had something. They just, you know, the, the character that they built with him so far, the gimmick of, as host, was just falling flat and going nowhere. So what do they do? They take him as a host and they turn him into a a, <laughs> a glorified 
basically you know sw- swimsuit <laughs> that's my point like what <laughs> model the fuck? announcer with the diva search competition and turn him into you know the miss america pageant host just in wrestling terms so there he is along with ashley mazzaro hosting the annual diva search competition on raw and smackdown which diva search is is a, a, a joke in its own right but <laughs> You know, that has a few famous clips with the Miz messing up the phone number. Yep. You know, people ha- have that one to really throw in his face. He was very nervous and had a lot to remember and unfortunately couldn't. He was very overwhelmed and not happy with his role at this point in time. So it was there, you know, that he said that he really started to work on what he wanted to convey as a heel you know he knew that the plan was after the talent uh you know search the diva search was over that he was going to be heading back to smackdown exclusively as a villain so he started to craft and mold this better than you personality this this entitled superstar and he he then went ahead and we get to september 2006 (laughs) he makes his in-ring debut and he gets a huge win over tatanka I'm just looking ahead. I'm sorry, Jake. I'm looking ahead no. at, the, at the 2006 notes, and <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, good God, the, yeah, not not the not the best year, but you know. But I, I but it, going back to was, the whole. But, oh, sorry, God. No, it just it was it was all over the place with the Miz. You know, you have Michael Cole touting that oh he beat Tatanka, now he's undefeated. Michael Cole's bringing this up whenever possible, but he only wrestled five matches over the following few months. He defeated Matt Hardy, Funaki, Scotty Too Hotty, and then he began a feud with Diva Search winner, you know, Layla. Yep. And it's like, okay, you know, what are we going to get out of this? <laughs> Nothing. The, the whole th- I'm, I, so no, so get let me just recap this real quick. Supposed to make his debut on SmackDown gets canceled, gets pushed what two months maybe yeah two months shows yeah, up as two months of two months shows up as the host then switches over to become the host of the fucking diva search between both Raw and SmackDown. Now he's finally an in-ring competitor. So for what almost all of 2006 or for nine months of 2006, they don't know what the fuck to do with Miz. I, it's, it, it's the whole thing of why are you going to call them up if you don't know what the fuck you want to do with them? But never mind that. I mean, talk about just not knowing what to do with him. They're not having him wrestle. He's not competing. No. He's, he's barely on TV at all. But it's not like, oh, he's getting a few you know minutes in the ring here. And there. He's not wrestling or doing anything physical in any capacity for nine months. Right. Nine months. Nothing. Yep. Yep, and then and when you bring him in, he gets a, a you know a debut win over Tatanka, which which yeah, granted is a big deal, but after that you get five more matches over the course of almost three months, which culminates in a feud with the Boogeyman. <laughs> that's that's <laughs> you know, the, it, it, and then the Boogeyman ends to the, say. the Miz's undefeated streak, if you even want to call it that, at Armageddon in December, so. <laughs> Mrs. Bad Luck continues from there. He gets into his first Royal Rumble, the 2007 edition. Mm-hmm. He gets the 29th entry and is immediately thrown out by the great Kali. The Miz only lasting seven seconds in his first Rumble appearance. <laughs> I mean, it, 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 not, it, not a great, you know, tenure in WWE by far. So, you know, it is date. It is just mind blowing that, again, when we go back and like really analyze these things to see like just really how in depth. 
like how crappy they're like people did yeah. the same thing with yeah. Ziggler's. It's just bl- mind blowing. Yeah. I mean, really, you figure Ziggler had a better start with the Spirit Squad, at least doing some things and eventually feuding with DX. And the Miz didn't even get that. It really took until about 2008 when he teamed with Morrison to get his feet ah, up the ground. Good stuff. I mean, what kind of, I mean, I'm looking through the 2007 notes and I mean, not really much happens for him after the loss at the rumble um, in 2007. I'm just looking through here. Um, in, in June, he gets drafted. I mean, nothing happens from the rumble until June. He faced off against Snitsky to determine Ooh. a draft pick for SmackDown. You know, no big deal there. Yep. And he then has a brief absence from television. And, you know, th- that was pretty much it. We didn't see much from him is until June. Then he gets drafted from SmackDown to ECW. Which honestly was the, the supplemental draft. <laughs> which honestly was the best thing for him in the long run, obviously. Yeah. I mean, there was too much talent on SmackDown at that point in time. There wasn't enough time to showcase everybody as far as TV time went. So them adding another weekly show, you know, akin to what we have NXT for now, uh, of course, it was a bastardization of what ECW was. Yeah, I was going to get to that. Had it had a name, like a main event type idea, I think it would have serviced, you know, the, well, the brand it, better. But it was it was kind of this weird neutral phase because at this point in time, so you have to remember, like Jake was just saying. ECW was a complete well, it, it was still in the transition of completely changing to like Hey, everyone, I just want to remind you to make sure you check out the awesome people over at Anchor.fm. Of course, it is a great place for you to host your own podcast. And guess what? One of the cool parts is that it's totally free. Yeah, that's right, free. There's even creation tools that allow you to record and edit your own podcast right from your computer or even your phone. And Anchor will distribute your podcast for you. So it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and so many others. Trust me, it's so easy. And you can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast all in one place if you guys want to get in on it make sure you download the free anchor app or just simply go to anchor.fm to get started to me 2008 is when like ecw became like the third c-level brand not that it never was c-level but like you could tell when ecw first started when they were and we'll probably get in this when we get into like rvd or sabu or some other like you know big ecw star that was part of this um maybe Heyman. maybe we'll do one on paul Heyman. um When they brought it back, it was supposed to be special, like, you know, right. uh, anniversary editions and, and one night stand was a, a huge draw. They had you know, their bringing own bringing back the ECW, you know, stars of, of yesteryear. They had their own entrance way. It was very produced. Yeah. There was a bunch of things that were different about it. And then after Heyman left at the end of 2006, then you could start to like literally almost see the thing like morph in front of you into the WWE. Like, you know what I mean? Like over the course of time, you could just see ECW turning from, you remember how it used to have like the barbed wire um, logo and then it just turned to like the polished ECW brand, like the yeah, logo. Yeah, the purple Yeah, letters. yeah. And so like it just morphed into that. And so this was kind of around that time frame. And so what I liked about ECW and actually going back and I actually went back and watched some of his stuff in ECW and just ECW as a whole in this time frame, I think that people shit on it very easily and I can very understand why compared to Raw and SmackDown. Yeah, it's but easy if you, to, to see what the problem was. <laughs> but it's kind of like to me, I guess the best way I can equate it's like 205 Live now. That's the closest yeah, that's, comparison that's I can get. That's a better comparison. Yes, yes, that's a great comparison. That's the only. That's the only way I can really make a comparison to it. Um, the best. Yeah, that's the best one I can come up with off the top of my head. No, and and even going at ECW, you know, it, it took again quite some time for the Miz to 
accomplish anything of note. You know, it, it, he went ahead and won his debut match against Nunzio. And following that match, Extreme Expose, you know, began expressing admiration in him, uh, giving him a lap dance. And this this starts a new gimmick for The Miz, where he's a self-proclaimed chick magnet, you know, chick magnet punk <laughs> junior. So they become managers for The Miz, and he begins a feud with Balls Mahoney. Kelly Kelly begins to fall in love with Balls Mahoney on screen, and in that's pretty much the, the feud that we see from, you know, July until October. But I mean, that's kind of, so my point was about the ECW thing. What I was trying to make originally was it was the C brand. Like nobody was watching it, but there was some decent shit on there. Like it was now and again. Yeah. They would do things to surprise you. And there was talent to watch out for, you know, which Punk we'll get to when he, when he teams with Morrison. Yeah. Oh yeah. That, Oh yeah. That too. I forgot about that. But I mean, like, yeah, you had Punk on there at the time. Him and Morrison were killing it. I think Miz was starting to kind of come on. So the one thing I will say about ECW was that it was helping develop guys. It was kind of like it was the weird limbo stage. Like there was no NXT at this point, folks, obviously. Um, but like there was this weird – it was this weird limbo stage where like they called you up. They put you on ECW and it was kind of like the – it really was like a weird – it was NXT done wrong. That's actually yes, the, probably the, – that's, that, that's yeah. the best way to put it because this yeah. was a way for them to – Practice, you know, looking at cameras and, you know, knowing where to aim their moves. You know, you always have to be in position of said cameras, the hard cam. And you got to do it all on time in front of a live audience. So, I mean, these are things you can't get with studio performances. And it it worked well for them to practice and and really hone their craft. Problem was, though, you know, they didn't have a a great amount of viewers or success with this brand. Right. um, Because it wasn't treated like a, a, a you know like a real part of wwe it just always felt like a, a you know a, a bastardized stepchild right but but the point that and we're going to get to this once we get to, to get him, him teaming with morrison it's it's one of those things where you can find a diamond in the rough and that's what i think one pe- that that a lot of people especially nowadays i think don't appreciate i'm not saying that ecw was the shits well Maybe in some cases, but I mean, in other ways. <laughs> but the point is, is that like if you go back and you know where to find things in ECW, even when like WWE completely enveloped it and made it like WWE CW as as they call it, um, there's some there's some good shit in there sometimes. Like if you if you go digging and like really search for it, because um, obviously we're gonna talk a huge part of one of the biggest things about ECW, and I'm jumping a little bit ahead here, is when Miz teams with Morrison. That shit was fucking amazing. Yeah, that was great. And the thing is here, you know, we, we even got to see uh, The Miz take on CM Punk for the ECW Championship at Cyber Sunday. The fans voted The Miz to yeah, face uh-huh. Punk. So, I mean, he had a following. He had people that wanted to see him compete. He lost well, the match, but, you know, at least he was starting to build himself up somewhat. You say fans vote, but I, I feel like you're doing, I can't see you right now, but I feel like you're doing gigantic fucking air quotes. Yeah, it is a huge air quotes. Yeah, okay, I okay. Mean, it, it was it was part of a punishment thing as well, but granted. Wait, what? <laughs> you know, what he, mean he, pu- he's starting to get recognized. What do you mean? Oh, punishment for the fans, you mean? Yes, yes. Okay, okay. I was like, what the fuck? Like, we're going to punish you by giving you a title shot on the pay-per-view. Like, what the fuck? This is no, not back. For the, the fans, fuck? yeah. Jesus. So anyway, we fast forward so, a little bit. So that was, was Cypress. That was used to help build punk, you know, really. Yeah. But it, yeah. the Miz benefited from it. 
So he loses to Punk for the title at Cyber Sunday. That was around October. So then we fast forward to November. And on November 16th episode of SmackDown, Miz became one half of the tag team champions, the WWE tag team champions, which for those of you, again, these titles are fucking, my God, title histories can be really a pain in the ass. These were the SmackDown exclusive tag team titles, the blue and gold, which honestly were one of my favorite designs of the tag team titles um, back in the day. Um, they defeated Matt Hardy and MVP. They were doing their whole... Um, they were doing their whole like team, tag team that hated each other gimmick at the time. I remember this because Matt Hardy won the U.S. title. Um, and so this was actually, again, first time ever. This was first uh, Miz's first uh, tag team title, or actually first championship in the company, period, if you don't count the DSW uh, heavyweight championship. But, man, this yeah. was really and fun. And the OVW tag titles. Right, and this is where things got really fun and really interesting because now not only are Miz and Morrison like just working so well off each other, and I'm telling you, if you guys have the chance to go back and watch um, the dirt sheet segments, oh man, those that shit was fucking gold. And it was the- hilarious. I mean, they they incorporated a bunch of pop culture references, memes. You know, they were mocking other wrestlers. They were you know peeling back the the layers of the <laughs> corporate onion. And, you know, they, they were really delving in deep behind the scenes on things. They broke the fourth wall often. And it just felt like, you know, you were really getting access to things that you typically weren't allowed to see or hear. Because nobody's so watching it. Special. That as well. I mean, that, that's true. And, you know, WWE.com was, was you, know, uh, you know, a great place for them to have this. You know, it, it gave them a, an opportunity to not only build up their promo skills, but for them to, you know, have a place to host their show. So it worked out very well, and it kind of just all fell into the place. From what Bruce Pritchard, because he actually brought this up uh, uh, on one of his episodes, he said that, like, the Ms. Morris and stuff, he didn't get it, but he didn't, he didn't need to get it as long as the audience got it. And he said, you know, WWE at that time was really looking to um, put a lot of content onto the website. Because remember, this is this is before, well, YouTube has, was existing at this point, but it was in its infancy. And so WWE.com, they were trying to drive a lot of traffic to the website. And Bruce Pritchett was in charge of producing these segments, but he just kind of let Morrison and Miz do their own thing. And they co-wrote it. Yeah. They did their own thing. And that's I think that's one of the reasons why it was so good. Like Bruce said like he would help him with little things here and there. But for the most part, that was all Morrison and Miz. And, and just again, goes to show you don't fucking always need writers. No. And they were able to do this all on their own. Like you said, this was their ideas, their scripts, their thoughts, and it just felt real and natural. They started acting like best friends, which made it even better. Um, I'm just they they even really like downplayed the angle of Miz and Morrison disliking each other. They really portrayed them as friends, you know, so even when they had issues, they would avoid showcasing that at all. They wanted to make them look like a cohesive unit. I love when they did the dirt sheet and they would just look their head up to the to the side. (laughs) That was good shit. Um, we see them do many title defenses over the next couple of months. Uh, unfortunately, they ultimately do uh, drop the championships to Kurt Hawkins and Zack Ryder at the Great American Bash. And again, that was back when Kurt Hawkins and Zack Ryder were part of the La Familia, uh, which was Edge. <laughs> God damn it. Like, thinking back to this thing, it's just fucking eye-rolling sometimes. Edge, Vicky Guerrero, oh, Chavo so... Guerrero. Here's a name that you might not remember. Do you remember Bam Neely? Oh, my goodness. Wow. You yeah, know, no one, no one else a, does either. <laughs> We're the only two. We're the only two that know that name. And um, the funny part here is that Miz and Morrison weren't even pinned. 
you know, no, it was a fatal four way because it was a fatal four way. So, yep. I mean, after all this time of successfully defending their tag team titles, they lose without actually losing. You know, it's, it's funny the way that works. But. Yep. Now, at this point, I could be wrong because this is kind of I, I, I can't remember how this this whole like this got a little fuzzy for me. Because at this point, this is so. This is now July of two thousand eight that we're talking about, right? So now they end up going into a feud uh, with Crime Time because apparently they had a web show as well. Yeah, um, and Word Up, <laughs> which was also very entertaining. It was funny. God damn it! Um, and then of course Word they up. they would be <laughs> fucking about as white as I can get there. <laughs> Like we don't have fun on this show. Um, they they go. They were voted into a match with, and they were defeated by Crime Time at Cyber Sunday. Then they started a feud with DX, and that was kind of fun because again they're just doing the whole dirt sheet thing and just really mocking them. I loved how they uh, instead of saying "Are you ready?" they said "Are you 50? Are you fifty? Yeah, boom, just boom. making fun of their age. Like we were in high. When you guys were, you know, forming DX, so <laughs> it certainly showed the, the discrepancy in age for the wrestlers. And of course, and now funny to think that ten years later, they <laughs> we just had DX reunite to main event a pay per view. So, <laughs> God, I feel old. Funny the way that works. Jesus. Ten years later, there they are taking on the Undertaker and Kane. What year are we in? <laughs> uh, like seriously, I swear to God, Crown Jewel, not to get off subject, was like a fucking time machine, and I didn't want oh, to get out. It really was. I, Great I Scott. But it, yeah, get me off the fucking DeLorean <laughs> at 88 miles per hour. I'll jump out of that fucking thing. Anyway, uh, so they go. And that they, was a huge thing because that was the 800 episode of Raw. So, yep. I mean, they, they were facing DX. Yeah, they got defeated, of course. That's like, you know, betting against the Globetrotters. <laughs> it's not going to happen. But sometimes, but and we've talked about this on like reviews and stuff, and even on, on Out of Nowhere, like not just because... Just because you lose a match, like a high-profile match, does not necessarily mean you're like finished. The fact that they throw you in there is a big deal. And funny enough, again, foreshadowing, there's going to be another tag team match that is a high-profile one that the Miz will be part of at Survivor Series. Later on, we get to like you know much further on his career, and it's the same thing. I feel like like it's not necessarily so much the fact that you're going to lose. Like obviously, I think if you're going to put DX and Miz and Morrison at that time in the ring together against each other, you fucking know who's going to win that one. But it doesn't matter. I think it's more of a testament to the office saying, okay, let's put them in this high stakes scenario because it takes two to tango, or in this case, fucking four, and let's see how they go. They had great success with the tag titles on ECW with SmackDown because I think they were doing a co, um, I think SmackDown and ECW were doing like a co, like a talent exchange. They had their fun there. They were doing good stuff here. Let's throw them against DX and see how they do. And must have done something right because they end up winning tag team titles not too much longer after losing to DX. Yeah, they, uh, you know, they went ahead and defeated Kofi Kingston and CM Punk to win the world tag team championships that was during a house show in uh, ontario canada actually and then they began to feud with the colognes carlito and primo and they actually took on uh you know those two in a lumberjack match and the pre-show of wrestlemania 25 and that was the match to unify the world tag team titles that was Russell. Yeah, I remember that. I remember that very vividly. So that that's on the pre-show, you know, yep. uh, your tag team champions, both brands unifying titles. And that's that's a dark match. If you can't tell that the brand split 1.0 was starting to crumble at this point, Jesus fucking Christ. Um, yeah, and, that's and, a sign and, of the times for and sure. This is, and I can't remember this. And this is how fucking confusing. And, and just keep track of this. And I'm going to try to explain this as best as I can. OK, remember. 
So Miz and Morrison are still on ECW at this point. At this point in time, they are still ECW wrestlers. They have not transferred over to Raw or SmackDown officially. Officially, even though they're, you know, at but, one point, the world tag team champions uh, yeah, and another uh, that, time, the WWE tag champions. <laughs> so they end up winning titles that are on completely different fucking shows and then being in the match to unify two tag team titles on shows they are not on. Exactly. <sighs> like you said. <laughs> part of <laughs> ECW. Fuck. I can't keep cracking yeah. Talking about failure to launch there. Whoever was I, part of, you know, Manning Creative with that one needs to. I was about to say, it. like, I was about to say, like, if I can't keep track of this, a fucking creative must be like, what happened last week? I mean, Jesus. So, WrestleMania <sighs> 25 has come and gone, and now we're getting the draft. You know, this is the 2009 WWE draft. Yep. Um, we go ahead, and The Miz loses a match to Kofi Kingston because, you know, Morrison inadvertently interferes. So Raw gets the draft pick here, and the pick was revealed to be, dun-dun-dun, The Miz. And The Miz goes ahead and attacks Morrison, uh, you know, to retaliate against him, costing him the match. This ends their epic partnership, ends, you know, their their weekly episodic show, The Dirt Sheet. Yep. And thus turns John Morrison into a fan favorite in the Miz into a full blown heel. Now I remember this very vividly for two reasons. Because one, I, I think everyone, I think there was rumors going around that they were going to split, and I remember distinctly that like everyone was looking at Morrison because Morrison was the, I mean Jesus, look at him now. It's ten years later, he still looks the fucking same. Like I mean, like ripped, like shred, like Jesus, just ripped like an ab. Yeah. Um, and everyone kind of assumed, and, and this is something that Miz has brought up and will bring up in future rivalries, times. Yeah. that everyone thinks that he was the Marty Jannetty to uh, John Morris and Shawn Michaels. And it's, again, very interesting how the roles have totally reversed on that one. And again, the whole little engine that could theme with when it comes to Miz, like just coming, overcoming every fucking thing. Yeah, see, I never felt that way with him. I never viewed him as the Jannetty, honestly. I, know I mean, I didn't think of it that way until he brought it up. Even when he brought it up, I never viewed it as such, honestly. I had a hard time believing that. I oh. felt like even then, the Miz was was on a different course. I also remember Miz had a different finisher at that time. It was kind of like one of those things where, like, he runs into you. He kicked – it's a weird fucking finish. He, like, runs into you like you're, like you're bent over, and then you, he kicks you and then runs to, like, kick you off the Irish whip and then, like, does, like, a neck breaker at the same time. Yeah, yeah it was called the reality check. So it was a running okay. knee lift followed into a neck breaker slam. The first finisher he had was the Mizzard of Oz, which is the swinging reverse DDT. I shit you not. What a name, the Mizzard of Oz. I think that should be yeah, a T-shirt. What I shit you about not. Is the reality check, and it was um, it was it was often botched at times because it was very unique. Yeah, that's my point. Because the running knee lift, and then you you hit the neck breaker slam. It was just so hard to. I don't want to say like formulate, but like throw together on a whim. Like unless people knew, you know, how to take it repeatedly, you know, we worked with like Kofi and a few others who had taken the move multiple times. It became easier to execute, but it, it often didn't look good. I guarantee you there was a writer who was like smoking a bowl or a blunt and he played the video game and thought, man, if, and he was in the creative finisher fucking section. <laughs> and he's like, man, if Miz needs a you new one, I got this. <laughs> 
Is that Brock in the crowd with hat with his arm up his ass? Listen, don't worry about that. Listen, you got to see this finisher I created. It's fucking amazing. <laughs> but I remember like the thing that sucked the most is that they. I remember they. It was a big deal when when Miz and, and Morrison split up. It was a big deal. They put the focuses. You saw like them hugging, and then Miz turned on him. But I think that the fact that the the finish was like the finisher move was botched, and I'm not necessarily saying it was Miz's fault, but like looking back at it, like you said, that thing's a fucking son of a bitch to be able to pull off. Like that, like really underwhelmed because, like, oh my god, he's attacking! What the fuck was that? <laughs> he's here to hit the what? Yeah, uh, really serious. Uh, yeah, so exactly. I just felt like that, like that, took away from it a little bit. Was my point? Yeah. So here's a little uh, side story here. This stands out to me so much personally. So I had brain surgery late 2008, and it took me a while. You know, had to learn to walk properly again. All this stuff. So finally, it's April 2009, and I'm going to take my fiance, my grandmother, my mother. It's like a thank you for everything they've done to wrestling because my grandmother loves wrestling. My mom was big into it when, you know, we were younger, and I want my fiance to experience this as well. So my fiance starts watching a couple of episodes of Raw here or there. She thinks Cena's hot, you know, so that's her <laughs> new favorite. She doesn't really know any of the stories. She just, he's sexy. So we get to the night before we're going to go. It's Backlash. And John Cena is in a last man standing match with Edge. They get up, you know, at the end of the match and Big Show comes out and he throws John Cena into the searchlight that he had set. Oh, up on yeah. The oh, yeah. Pyro goes off. The ref counts to 10 and Edge is victorious. And my fiance is pissed because <laughs> Cena gets stretchered out of there. And I'm like, I don't think he's going to be at Raw. <laughs> Triple H also got stretched out. My grandmother wanted to see Triple H. You know, he had gotten punted in the head because it was the McMahon. Man, you're you're a shitty fan. You'd be like, hey, come check these guys out. And then the, then that. Yeah. So my grandmother's all excited to see Triple H again. And, and you know, she wants to see Cena. And my mom's deaf, so she has no idea what the fuck's going on. And, you know, so it's like, <laughs> here we are. We're going to have a great time. And I'm sorry. So <laughs> you had that really weird match where it was... Uh, you know, Triple H, Shane, and Vince. And if they got disqualified, Triple H would have to drop the belt to Orton. Oh, and that fucking, oh my God. Yeah, that, yeah, so that was a I think Shane went a... to go hit him with the chair and Hunter ended up getting punted in the head and he got taken out by stretcher. <laughs> so the next night we get to Raw, April 27th, and Cena's music hits. And my fiance's like, I told you. And she gets up and she's all excited and out walks the Miz. <laughs> she is pissed. She looks like that Miz girl, you know, that that death glare. And the Miz comes down with a, you know, you can't see Cena shirt on. He's got a roll of John Cena toilet paper. I remember the goes, Cena shirt. Yeah. He goes off. And he talks about how, you know, Cena's nothing. And he, he just really goes after the biggest dog in the yard. Like that was his, you know, his goal here. So that was a ballsy thing, not only for, well, not only for Miz, but more so the creative and like, okay. Immediately, I, yeah. I was engrossed by the Miz. I'm like, damn, they, they really have faith in this guy to let him go after, you know, the big dog at that point in time. God, I hate saying that, but he so, didn't. it rings true. <laughs> He didn't do too bad either. I think a lot of people were easy to shit on him. It's easy to shit on him at this point. No, in time. he he. The crowd there ate it up. He well, was I was about to say, yeah, cheering for him at the end. Yep, he really delivered, and you know, people were at first upset that it wasn't Cena, and that for them to turn around and cheer him for crapping on John, 
you know, and this is at a time in 2008 where, yeah, you know, you don't really hear the people chanting, let's go Cena, Cena sucks as much yet. Like, yeah, that was still, you know, you had some, some older males chanting it, but not to the extent of, you know, John Cena sucks when he comes out. So yeah, the Miz continues here week after week after week to call out John Cena. And, you know, it, it continues over and over and over again until they get a singles match at the bash i hate and, that pay-per-view name can i just i just want to oh, really vent about that is it bash at the beach no the bash no because <laughs> here's what happened they had the great american bash which is honestly one of my favorite pay-per-view names yeah and classic. dusty dusty roads came up with it It was a classic nwa wcw pay-per-view they used it for i think three or four years and then they just shortened it to the bash i'm like you fucking asses oh i fucking <laughs> hate that i just hate that name thank god yeah, they only I use it too. twice because it God. was great too what Miz was doing here. He would come out. He would, you know, they'd play Cena's music even at time. The Miz would have the ref ring the bell. They'd count to ten, and he would, you know, win via forfeit. So he said that he had all these victories over John Cena. So they get to the one-on-one match at the pay-per-view, and I'm like, you know what they could do here if they have John Cena lose or at least get counted out or disqualified. Like, you know, they really give Miz a good run here. But nope, Super Cena shows up and biff, bam, boom, five moons of doom. And there's, you know, there's the Miz tapping out. So I'm tra- it, it, I'm tra- was, it was really unfortunate, but it was a super quick match. And he looked like, a, a, you know, out of his league. And it was it was so unfortunate because I wish they did what they did with Kevin Owens, where Owens beat Cena in his, you know, first match essentially if they had done this with the Miz at this point it would have really skyrocketed him i feel but of course can't lose to super john at this time now of course a lot of you guys are probably like what what was there a title in line because cena was usually champion and at this time no he was not i believe yeah, that, he lost the, the edge had the title because he lost to edge at the yep. uh and uh, the spotlight backlash yeah yeah the, spotlight. <laughs> the exact thing you were just talking about that traumatized your fiance yeah. um oh, so that's that's so why angry. there wasn't a time <laughs> <laughs> um so miz loses to a match on cena and then on the uh at the bash and then he d- they do a rematch on the august 3rd episode of raw where miz lost a match to cena which meant that storyline wise he was banned from the staples center the raw brand and SummerSlam, which fucking Jesus, that was a high yeah, stakes so match. And you figure this this goes from April till August when he gets his rematch. The Miz is doing nothing in between, almost nothing. Now, um, but I will say this: this is one thing I absolutely, um, I really adored because I thought this was very very clever. So the following week, August tenth, um. Miz compete so they do a contract on a pole match. Now, now you have to set this up here because you have to give me a chance to set this up because I thought this was so fucking clever, and I have to mention this. So it was two people. It was Eugene, who at this point in time had been released by the company, like he was not he was not with WWE at this point. So he brought in Eugene, and then there was a person under a mask called the Calgary Kid because they were in. Canada and he had like a big red maple leaf it actually looked like a pretty badass luchador mask and it was a guy like in like uh, in wrestling trunks that was it you know knee pads and whatever and so instantly you when you see that you think oh fuck Eugene's gonna win and Eugene's coming back to WWE nope the Calgary kid end up winning it and right after the contract uh, after he grabs it he peels off the mask and it's Miz under the mask 
And I thought that was one of the most clever fucking things they did like in that like that bubble with him. So good. And, and there he goes, he gets his new finisher, he creates the skull crushing finale. He uses it on Eugene, you know, right before he removes the mask. And this is where he gets that, you know, promo that he still uses today. Because I'm the Miz and I'm awesome. Awesome. And the thing and the thing was, <laughs> Miz actually Miz actually mentioned in an interview the reason why he did this is because um he actually asked to wrestle in trunks. He goes, because no one's ever seen me wrestle in trunks. Because at this point, he'd only been wrestling in shorts. And so he said, if I wrestle in shorts, it would easily give it away. But if I give it in like a completely different gear, no one would know what the fu- who the fuck it was. And I thought that was just so fucking – like little details like that can go a long fucking way. Yeah. And, it, you know, that was genius on his part. So from here, you know, the, the fans see him as – a bit more legitimate. They want to see him get his comeuppance and get his ass beat. He certainly showed that he's ready to hang with the big dogs and big players by, you know, f- calling out and facing John Cena. You know, he, he might have lost against Cena, but he showed the world he's ready. And here he goes on a crusade to become the United States champion. So, so it's, it's weird how, like, that match with Eugene, as little and, and really like a footnote as much as it was, really changed him in a lot of ways. Like, it kind of, you know, again, new gear, so now he's starting to come out with it more frequently. And this is the point where he has, like, the weird, like, the trunks, but he also has, like, the leather jacket that goes with it. So he's um, he's really changing up his, you know, the whole I'm is I'm awesome, a much better finisher in the skull-crushing finale. And so now, like you said, his sights are now set on the U.S. title because now it's time for him to get a fucking singles championship because he fucking deserves it at this point. So he goes through, I'm going to breeze through some of these pay-per-views real quick because God knows we're only on 2009 at this point. We still got a fucking 10 years to go. Um, <laughs> he challenges for the championship at Night of Champions, Breaking Point, and Hell in a Cell, loses on all of them. However, on October 5th, uh, the, on Raw, the night after Hell in a Cell, Miz beats Kofi Kingston to win the first uh, his first U.S. championship and his first singles title at the ripe old age of 28. Then the following pay-per-view event, Bragging Rights, was themed with interpromotional matches, and that's how, and, and now that Miz was the second-tier champion, he was, of course, set up to face off against the Intercontinental Champion on SmackDown, which was very funny because his, the, the IC champion at that time was none other than John Morrison. John Morrison himself, so now they can finally go ahead and have their, uh, you know, their feud payoff here. And really quick, um, the number five top match for The Miz of all time was uh, voted by fans saying that The Miz versus Kofi Kingston, where he won his U.S. title for the first time, is the number five match. And uh, also the number five moment as well. So well, I believe that's his first, first Especially since you saw him lose, you know, in three consecutive pay-per-views. And then just the night after Hell in a Cell for him to have the, the rematch granted against Kofi Kingston and finally seizing his opportunity. Like you said, you know, can't understate it enough. This is his first singles championship. It meant a lot to him. His reaction was, was you know, phenomenal and uh, certainly deserved. And he would go ahead and, and face off against a slew of other people. So we saw him have great matches with Evan Bourne, Kofi Kingston again, and uh, even his former tag partner, like you just said, John Morrison. So. And the thing I loved about this was that they actually did the buildup for this um, because this is, again, the first time that these two guys have faced each other since they split up um, about, you know, month, at this point, what, right, October? So October, November. So we're looking at what, like, uh, fuck, my math's horrible right now. April, May, June, July, August, September, October. So seven months. It's been seven months since they split up. 
Miz is the uh, U.S. champion. Morrison is the Intercontinental. Just like it's a perfect blend to do this matchup. Like it's probably, I think I remember this is one of the better built matches of the entire show because again, bragging rights at that point in time was just basically built on the factor of Raw versus SmackDown. So there really wasn't a whole lot of build to it. But the build yeah, for the, this the, one, the building idea to what we get at Survivor Series now, and so before weird. this, that we even saw the two of them host a, a one-off edition of the Dirt Sheet, which was cool to see them reunite and. Uh, the two compared themselves to the Rockers, as you you know uh, mentioned before, debating over which one is more comparable to the successful Shawn Michaels and which one was the less successful Janetti. So, <laughs> but an interesting little twist, as everyone was expecting, and my, myself included, I thought Morrison was going to get the win on this one. Nope, Miz actually pins Morrison and becomes the only member of the Raw roster to win an interpromotional match in the entire pay per view. So not only did he beat Morrison, uh, he also got the only victory for Raw, which was freaking crazy as uh that's not where things ended uh we had miz captain a team of five against morrison's five in the classic five on five survivor series elimination match um and once again bested the mr morrison uh by surviving with sheamus and drew mcintyre that's right your good friend drew ah everyone's favorite friend drew um, but the interesting thing about this was and uh sorry i didn't mean to cut you off there jake was um Seamus and Drew standing tall was, I thought, a very big thing. And this is something, the theme that I've been mentioning, meaning to bring up, is the concept of the sole survivor. Like, you know there's certain things in WWE that they try to push or they try to utilize as a springboard. They tried it with the Andre the Giant Memorial Battle Royal. That's going great. Uh, Money in the Bank, to some extent, has worked for the most part. Some cases, not so much. But I feel like this particular match, because I went back and watched this, Seamus and McIntyre, we're standing tall with Miz, and it was, or it was, it was kind of like a weird thing where you could tell like the spotlight was on them because Sheamus had just gotten on to Raw at this point, like he was just there, and McIntyre was still like floating around with like a tag team scene, and so it was kind of like one of those things where like here's the spotlight, like we're gonna, these are the guys to watch out for, which is very indicative of the future. But I don't know, like, do you feel the same way when it came to, like the Soul Survivor back in those times? Yeah, it certainly seemed like that was their new catalyst to to you know project new stars you know that that's what they were going to use to advance careers certainly seemed that way anyway well it worked for Seamus then Drew had to take a little hiatus yeah Drew had to uh we don't talk about the dark times (laughs) go on to other ventures so uh now we get into 2010 and this is where the Miz really takes off on the mic this is his top rated uh at this point in time, promo. He begins a rivalry with MVP, and he. This is where he has a critically, you know, well received and acclaimed verbal exchange between him and MVP. This is on the list of defining moments for the Miz as well. This is this is high up on the list, number six. Um, you know, as you said, he's the only one to emerge victorious from the bragging rights pay per view. He beats John Morrison at Survivor Series for the five on five teams. And the Miz is becoming one of the most hated heels on not just Raw, but in the company. His promo yeah. skills are getting better and better every week. And here in this famous like work shoot promo, the Miz goes and details all the obstacles that he had been forced to overcome on his way to the top of the mountain. He talks about his exclusion from the locker room, all the bullying that he had been subjected to behind the scenes from JBLs and others. Uh, you know, he just he, he showed a lot of emotion and in how invested he was not just into being 
in the company, but being a champion and a proper champion at that much. It, it you know, was a bit shocking to hear him name drop some of the other wrestlers and hear about everything that he had to go through. And on top of it, you know, everyone was so easy to criticize the reality TV star from Cleveland, but the intensity that he brought on the mic this night was, uh, you know, another side that we had yet to see from the Miz and hearing about all the trials and tribulations that he endured was pretty eye opening. It was one of those promos. I remember actually very vividly where it was like, yeah, Miz was a loud mouth and he, you know, was saying all these things before and it, it, it was indicative of a heel. It wasn't anything like really, uh, I hate to say it, like eye opening <clears throat> because it seemed like kind of like, okay, it's, it's a different version of X, Y, Z. This was the whole thing of I'm successful. It's it's that old classic. Um, what's the way the best way I can describe or like compare it? To, it's like the Four Horsemen. The Four Horsemen. One of the reasons they were such hated heels was because they hated like the success. Like people hated their success, and that's kind of what Miz was doing. It's like, listen, I came through this and that. I beat all these things. I'm still here and I'm still your champion. So f you. I'm still like I'm. I'm still gonna keep doing. It. I don't care how how loud you boo me. I embrace the hate. Is the yeah, best way absolutely. I could probably play it. And it was so you could tell it was a shoot. And it was it, refreshing. It, yeah, you could tell it was a shoot in some I aspects. Mean, hearing him say, "I had to dress in the hallway because they kicked me out of my locker room and surviving whatever the hell you, is a JBL shower." You know. Uh, <laughs> that, <laughs> oh my that, god! We don't really know all the details too, but <sighs> you're gonna make me look up what a JBL shower is, aren't you? I, you know, I, <laughs> oh, it's a, it's a JBL portable shower speaker for your shower, huh? <laughs> no, I'm serious. I just Googled, I just Googled yeah, JBL brand shower. JBL. So, you know, it, it's just, I remember that being brought up and, and hearing about all the, you know, the, the backstage, if you can call them shenanigans <laughs> with JBL and, and sorry, I just all, saw all the hell that he, I, I just he saw the, I just saw in the Google like results, JBL showers. Sing it loud and sing it proud. <laughs> <laughs> God damn it. I need to, st- I need to get it off this right uh, JBL is notorious for being a bully backstage in professional wrestling. One would be hard-pressed to tell the tale of his career without mentioning his backstage indiscretions. He used to haze new guys by jumping in the shower with them and helping the re- reluctant young men wash up. Why? No one knows. Uh all right, yeah. moving on. Royal Rumble. So the Miz had to endure not just dressing in the hallway, people stealing his clothes, his bag, his you know his items, but also having to have JBL make sure he was extra squeaky clean. That's uh, I, I'd rather take a clothesline from hell in the shower. Yeah, definitely a work shoot promo if I've ever heard one. Ugh. Anyway, the Royal Rumble 2010. Aren't you glad we delved into that? <laughs> the things we do for you people. <laughs> oh, there's pictures. But no, you do not send those to me. <laughs> you do not. Only if he's wearing only if he's wearing the cowboy hat. <laughs> and just the cowboy hat. Okay, moving on. I'm gonna I need to I, uh, I'm not gonna get clean. I'm not gonna get clean. <laughs> I bleach. So we have everything going on with you know MVP here, and we see the two men, they meet in an unadvertised match for the US championship of the Royal Rumble. The Miz retains. But in the Rumble match itself, MVP eliminates both himself and The Miz. And, you know, basically showing signs that this is far from over. Dun, dun, dun. Yeah. So The Miz begins showing signs of allegiance with Big Show. And 
on February 8th episode of Raw, the two defeated champions DX and the Straight Edge Society, so that was CM Punk and Luke Gallows, obviously Triple H and Shawn Michaels, to become the unified WWE Tag Team Champions. So The Miz is the first wrestler in WWE history to hold three championships at the same time. So he had the United States, the World Tag Team, and the WWE Tag Team titles. Well, they're not technically three titles, are they? Yeah, because at this, at this point they're unified. You know, they were unified, but you're carrying both sets of. Oh, belts. you mean was, you mean physical odd. championships? Yes, yes. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Fucking, sorry, I get I get a little I get anal when it comes to. No, titles. I I know. You know, it's it's odd the way it's worded, but yeah, you know. So. But yes, he was the first one to hold all those belts at the same time. Yeah, yeah no so shit. Now, uh, here's where the Miz really starts to go into overdrive. Show Miz. Next, <laughs> he appears on the NXT show as the storyline mentor oh. to Daniel Bryan, who's essentially I viewed on NXT as the chosen one of the fans. You know, he came in so hot from Ring of Honor. Brian Danielson, you know, the American Dragon, you're going to get your fucking head kicked in. You know, it's just <laughs> here we go. And the. Back and forth these two had, you know, the, 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 the master and teacher, you know, dichotomy between these two was really, really interesting. I don't know what the fuck they were thinking with NXT. I think that was the only real story that was going in there. That was, that was the only story, and that was enough for me to, to focus on and enjoy. Honestly, but the, those but two. The problem was, didn't Brian get, like, eliminated halfway through the show? Not even? Yeah, and then, you know, there there was a bunch of issues with everything that happened with the Nexus and Brian getting fired and, you know, that leading up to SummerSlam. But, hey, you know, we're no, trying I, to look back fondly. No, <laughs> yeah. Poor Justin Roberts. Don't wear a tie to ringside, kids. Uh, the point is, though, I... Choke I, me, Daddy. <laughs> it's funny, when you said that, I just pictured Justin Roberts' face when he got choked out by Brian. <laughs> with the tongue? The, yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> the one eye, like... <laughs> the, <laughs> you just gotta make that noise uh, the face. <laughs> would you rather choked out by Justin Roberts or a JBL shower? Uh, choked out, because then I could pass. Because th- then I could pass out from it. All right, listen. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what happened after I blacked out? I don't know, uh, but I, I don't know. But that tie looks great on you. <laughs> uh, anyway, but you're right. I think the NXT thing was. Um, that to me, that was the only real interesting thing about it because the pros didn't have really that much of a relationship with their with their um, with their uh, rookies. It was it was such a weird dynamic. Like I'm I'm trying to actually look back at the <laughs> like just to give you a quick rundown of the, of the original NXT, the original season. So you had Carlito, pro of Michael Tarver, the Miz of Daniel Bryan, William Regal of Skip Sheffield now known as the Ryback. CM Punk to Darren Young. Christian was to Heath Slater. Matt Hardy was to Justin Gabriel. R-Truth was to David Otunga. And then Jericho was to Wade Barrett. Yeah. Like, I I, I get why they made some of those pairings. But, but, I don't know, just very fucking weird. But, I mean, the Miz Bryan thing, I think the only reason that was so good, because, again, the internet was really, I think at this point in time, the internet was so strong when it came to wrestling. And Brian, uh, second only to CM Punk, I think was the was the the next big one to come in with a lot of internet buzz, as they called it. Yes, yes, and, he was he was you know white hot, and he had also you know been wrestling for so long. He was viewed as the veteran, yet 
the Miz was the teacher. So the angle that they Correct. had for this was just really interesting. Well, it was smart, but I'm just saying that the, it was a dumb idea to have him eliminated first. Yeah, no, the the placement and how it all worked out was asinine. If anything, I would have had Dan O'Brien, like, <laughs> actually, in an ironic twist of fate, I would have had Brian come in second place in NXT, just like Miz uh, did at Tough Enough. I think that would have been excellent. And, you know, the, the Daniel Bryan could have even blamed the Miz more, saying, like, oh, you know, if I didn't have you, I wouldn't have come in second place like you. And, yeah, it could have been handled much better. But... So but, from here, uh, you know, we, we see Big Show and Miz, Show Miz, as they're called, go on to WrestleMania 26. And here we see them defeat John Morrison and R-Truth. They retain their titles yet again. And, of you know, keeping in mind that Miz is also United States champion still on this show. Right. This this right. If, you, if you thought the U.S. title took a back seat now... It was it was almost non-existent at this point in time. No disrespect it to Miz, for many but... years. I mean, at this point in time, it really was not being defended. And then again, with when Dean Ambrose held it, it was never defended as well. Oh yeah, he didn't defend it for like, like a fucking a, year. Yeah, you know, over three hundred days without a title defense, and same thing again with the Miz. It went for like almost a year. It felt like so. I mean, there was there was quite a long period between title defenses there. But he did. But they, the show Miz ended up losing. Uh, actually, a lot of shit happened on this one night uh, during the 2010 WWE draft on April 26th. Show Miz not only lost the unified tag team titles to the Hart Dynasty of Tyson Kidd and uh, David Hart Smith uh, when Tyson made him uh, Miz tap out of the sharpshooter. I actually remember this. Big Show knocked out Miz, and it was one of the first times that Big Show was really using that knockout punch. Yeah, and the weapon fuck, of mass destruction. It but, looked brutal. Yeah, that was one of the more brutal ones I remember, like the very first like brutal-looking ones, because I remember they put it on his Titantron for a while, like when Big Show yeah. punched out Miz. It was just like, Jesus. <laughs> and he then fell flat the the way the Miz landed too after it, he looked, yeah, it looked legit. legit. Yeah, um, and, and then a lot of times when he he threw or landed that bike, I landed again with air quotes. You can't see me, but <laughs> you know, landed that that punch. It just missed by a mile. So the yeah. way that they sold this was so perfect. <laughs> uh, and then Big Show would be drafted to SmackDown. So let me let me just recap this in the one night. Show Miz loses the tag team titles. Big Show punches Miz and then goes to SmackDown. Yep. So what a night dissolves very quickly. No more uh, show Miz. <laughs> but but like you said, Miz is still U.S. champion. So now the focus goes back over to the U.S. title for a little bit. And we see yeah, him. Exactly. Let's see here. May 10th of Raw, Kid defeats Miz in a match, uh, which earned any member of the Hart Dynasty a match for the U.S. title. And Miz, who was allowed to choose his opponent. Oh, yeah, I forgot about this. I forgot about this. Miz, who was allowed to choose his opponent, he said he could pick any member of the Hart Dynasty, so he chose <laughs> Bret Hart. <laughs> I, I forgot about I, this. I, oh. I completely blanked on this. So on the next episode of Raw, the May 17th episode, Bret Hart defeated Miz to win the U.S. title despite Jericho, William Regal, and Vladimir Kozlov all trying to interfere in the match. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> On the Miz's behalf, might I add. <laughs> like, what the fuck? Like, and, and keep in mind, Bret Hart had came back that WrestleMania, so not that long before, like a month prior, to wrestle That's Vince. When he faced Vince. Yeah, Vince, right? Oh, that was so awful. That was... What a time waster that was. That was and a so tough one. people had to... They, they shortened so many matches, I remember hearing, because that match went on. So Miz went on to lose the U.S. title to, to, to Bret Hart just <laughs> to Bret in Hart. 2010. Just remember yeah. that, in 2010. 
But anyway, so then I, mean, I guess you're wrestling with a legend, so it, it is elevating you in some sense. But then again, he's please, he's <laughs> please don't tell me that please don't tell me that's not on like the top ten moments or matches. Uh, it's not on the matches, but it might be on the moments. I'll have to double check. Oh God! I mean, because. Uh, I mean, if you have the interference, I, mean, I, I don't know. Just, but I, I completely blanked on the fact. Yes, for those of you remembering, again, fun fact, Bret Hart won the fucking U.S. title in 2010. Yeah, no, that's Ooh. not on there. So we, uh, number seven is definitely when, you know, Miz debuts a, his new theme song and wins the unified tag team titles with I came to Big play. Show. And then we're about to approach the number eight moment, you know, so basically number two. So, uh, number two of all time is where we get into the Money in the Bank ladder match. Well, real quick on a side note, just to make sure you get this uh, right. Uh, Miz does go back to season two for NXT, and this is where he teams up with Alex Riley, uh, because obviously there'll be a factor in that later on. Uh, I loved Alex Riley. I love the whole jock gimmick with him with the whole thing. I'm so mad they didn't do more with him. But So anyway, after Alex Riley, uh, just for future reference, even after NXT Season 2 is done, Alex Riley stays with Miz as the mentor uh, figure, which, again, I thought was really smart for them to kind of help elevate Miz a little bit. So just a little fun fact yeah, for that. They worked well together, <laughs> and they had a, a, a good partnership. It was interesting, and I always felt bad for Riley because I felt like he could have given us so much more than he did. I agree, and I love and again, one that... Love the gimmick. I thought he could have. Uh, well, yeah. did he? Did he win? No, Caval won. Uh, Fucking no, low key, no, low yeah. key won, low key won. That was yeah. a weird. That was a weird season. Um, <laughs> but then uh, essentially, weren't they all? <laughs> Touche. So uh, on the June fourteenth episode of Raw, Miz beats R Truth, Morrison, and Zach Ryder. Zach Ryder in a fatal four way match to win the U.S. title for a second time, and then later at the fatal four way pay per view in June, retains it against R Truth successfully. So now we're into the Money in the Bank situation. And by the way, um, the. Uh, the, the the U.S. title, Brett never defended it. He surrendered the championship. So not only did yeah. did Brett beat Miz with four people trying to fucking interfere, um, he just surrendered the damn thing. Yeah, he just vacated the title. So. I gave it a, I give it a four out of ten. <laughs> five out of five. Five out of five. <laughs> <laughs> so the Miz, uh, surprisingly enough, goes on to win the Money in the Bank uh, ladder match. He gets a contract for a WWE Championship match that he can use it any point in time over the next year and you know he becomes the first performer to win the money in the bank while being a champion right and the second to hold the briefcase after rob van dam so yep because i think van dam was either world i think it was ic champion or tag team champion at the time i can't remember which one i think it was ic i think it was ic title so yeah yeah <clears throat> so i remember just to, I, I know we're going to deep dive into this but i remember Miz's money in the bank run very well because one of the reasons i liked his more than others and not not all the time but i remember Miz attempted several cash-ins because remember at this point in time i think was this the first time that money in the bank was a pay-per-view in 2010 i believe so um let me see here i'm doing some yeah yeah I think this is the first. Yeah, this was the first. Yeah, this was the first one. So this was the first time that Money in the Bank was an actual pay per view, which meant that we had something outside of WrestleMania. And one of the things I liked about Miz's run as Money in the Bank holder was that I felt like, and and they've done it. They've tried to do it now, but I for some reason feel like it's much lamer now than it was then. Because the way Miz would do it, Miz would attempt several cash-ins at several points in time, but he would either space them out wisely or some bullshit would happen where he wouldn't be able to cash in. 
And yeah, people would always end up either attacking him, you know, before the cash in or even during. Like I remember one of the times the bell didn't ring, so he was able to retain retain the briefcase. Yeah, Michael Cole wouldn't shut the fuck up about that. I remember he's like, "Oh, the bell didn't ring. The bell didn't ring. The bell didn't." Because this is when like Cole yeah. was heel. Oh man, darker darker really times. Annoying. <laughs> yeah, we even have the coal mine. I believe still right, or was that a little before this? <laughs> oh my god, <laughs> man, this is like going so, through like list of X's. Yeah, in some cases, I hate to bring up in some parts. Jesus, like, oh, that happened, but I hate, so, to, hate to acknowledge it. But yeah, um, over the next few weeks, Miz attempted to cash in against the champion at the time, Sheamus, but was continually interrupted by either other wrestlers before the match could occur, which meant that he could keep it for further use. Uh, again, like we mentioned, like Jake mentioned before, uh, Brian, Daniel Bryan returned, and Miz was kind of like adamant to be Team WWE to take on the Nexus there, that huge, was it seven on seven? Yeah, I think it was seven on seven match at SummerSlam. Seven, yeah, yeah. Was, and uh, Miz was kind of like, "Well, you got nobody else." And then Cena reveals it's Daniel Bryan. Um, then, of course, uh, the, the biggest overstatement of Super Cena of all time, uh, <laughs> who now admits that he shouldn't have won that match. Yep. <laughs> so but, many people, you know, criticized him for that too. It just, uh, what a, what an oversight. But but to continue off of the NXT rivalry, Miz attacks Bryan thus continuing their feud between the two of them, uh, and then have Miz to lose the U.S. championship to Brian the next month at Night of Champions. And I remember that was kind of like a, kind of a big deal, because, but also at the same time, I felt it was so rushed because Brian came back <clears throat> out of nowhere, <laughs> and <laughs> they go right back into this. I mean, granted, that was probably the best idea to have him feud with Miz because you have that backstory from NXT, but then, like, it was like right into the U.S. title, bang, bang, boom, and then that was it. And but then, then you again, just drift apart, and and their yeah. match is again, you know, high up uh, on the list as well. You know, for both moments and defining matches, right? Uh, number two for matches because they had a great match at Night of Champions, but 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 at the same time, I guess with Miz having the Money in the Bank briefcase, it's it's kind of like when he lost the tag titles. It's okay that he lost the tag titles because he still has the U.S. title to fall on, so it's fine if he loses the U.S. title because he still has the money in the bank to fall on. You know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. You know, he's still got something. And, right. You know, he still has Alex Riley. So. <laughs> right. And uh, just to think, though, in 2010, because he cashes in in 20... Yeah, he does, right? Yeah. Yep. So... Yep. so in November, so... So... <laughs> in 2010, Miz was... Tag team champion, U.S. champion, Money in the Bank, and WWE champion all in the same year. Yeah. Talk about monumental. And then he goes on to headline WrestleMania. You know, like, just, wow. So unprecedented, especially for someone, you know, essentially so young at that point in time. 28 still, so. So we're going to try and, and uh, to keep going through this because, uh, again... We're going to beat the Dolph Ziggler yeah. record of two hours because we're only <laughs> in 2010 at this point. Jesus. So nothing, he cashed. Yeah, nothing with, huge to note, you know, up until he goes ahead and cashes in his Money in the Bank briefcase. So we have WWE champion Randy Orton defending his title against Wade Barrett. And we see The Miz come out, cashes in, and just a real epic moment for him to win the WWE championship. I remember that was like the big re like that like you said how when he when he won the US title like his his reaction was pretty priceless. I think this was probably the best reaction that he got. And the fan the and the crowd was going nuts for it too, despite him being a heel. Yeah. Um I, I agree entirely, you know, and, and this is the number two uh 
for defining moments of the Miz's career of all time. So, oh, yeah, I, I, number you know, two, it, really. It not only helped to, yeah, not only helped to silence critics at that point, but you know, with Miz just being able to call himself the most must see WWE champion of all time, it really helped elevate him and and this you know set him on a path for you know, start him to become a legend. So to power through the end of 2010 into 2011, uh, he defended the title successfully um, against Jerry Lawler in a TLC match. No, I'm not kidding. Uh, uh, because Michael, <laughs> not because, because not <clears throat> nope, nope. Michael Cole and Riley, uh, and again at TLC pay-per-view, defeating Orton in a tables match, once again following interference from Alex Riley, because Cole was kind of starting his rivalry with Jerry Lawler, Get that gets tied in, uh, at WrestleMania as well. Then, um, on the first Raw of 2011, I actually remember this, Miz defeats Morrison to retain the title in a False Count Anywhere match. That match was fucking awesome. That was one. Of, that was a really good one. Uh, then we go into January. He defeated Orton again at the Rumble after Punk and Lawler. Uh, oh, sorry, in, after interference from CM Punk. And then the next month at uh, the Elimination Chamber. And I remember this build very interesting. Jerry Lawler fought the Miz for the WWE Championship. And I, I think... It was a little underappreciated because the build going into it was that Lawler had never had a title shot. And he's like, I'm going to win the title and go to WrestleMania's champion. And uh, I don't know, just like a cute little thing. It's like the, the, the match, like, you know, not, you know, no, it's not going to happen. But still, nice little story. But uh, after the night after the Elimination Chamber, Miz and Cena were paired together by the anonymous Raw general manager to challenge the <laughs> core for the WWE title. Um, so that fun fact. Laptop. So um, they challenged the core, Justin Gabriel and Heath Slater, for the tag team titles. And yes, the Miz and Cena technically won the tag titles together. Hard to believe, but they did win the titles. However, however, big asterisk here. The core immediately cashed in the rematch and beat them after the Miz turned on Cena. Yeah, the Miz. So you know, fun fact: out Cena, Cena gets pinned. They lose the title, but you can say in the record books, the Miz and Cena were tag, tag team, team champions. champions. So uh, and it made the, it is their also reign. the shortest reign, I believe, in championships <laughs> in, in that that championships history. So. Correct. Uh, next week, Miz lost uh, Riley after his uh, as his apprentice after Cena beat Riley in a cage match. Where the stipulation was, if Cena won, Riley was fired. But Miz rehired Riley back in mid March. This time as the vice president of corporate communications. This is the whole fucking bullshit of John Cena getting fired from the Nexus all over again. But we move yeah, forward. Really. We move forward to finally the main event of WrestleMania 27. And, and this is- meanwhile, the the Rock returns. He's been gone from the company for what seven years at this point, I believe. Yeah. Yep. And the, the most impressive thing to me was that the Miz was able to. You know, I thought it was impressive that he kept himself relevant in the build up to WrestleMania. Because the focus was all on John Cena and The Rock. And even though he was overshadowed by The Rock's, you know, really unexpected return here, he still managed to to keep some of the focus and spotlight on himself when trying to, you know, (laughs) do so against The Rock. That's that's often nigh impossible. Most stars drown. And I feel like The Miz really went ahead and and held his own best. He did. And I also feel bad for him at the same time because he was the third wheel. You know, yes, I remember. Yeah, I, he was I remember. Slighted, he, no yeah. doubt about it. But yeah, and I remember his like, win didn't even feel deserved there. You know, no. like this is something he could have accomplished. He should have beat Cena without the Rock ever delivering the Rock bottom. The Rock should have done that after 
the match had concluded. But I we feel, we right? we knew where the money was going to go. We we knew what they were yes. aiming for. And they but, announced that <clears throat> match a year out, first time ever that they've announced the. I remember. I, I remember how risky that was. Can you imagine yeah, that how that's that's well? It's mind blowing because it's never been done, and it's so risky because what if one of them got hurt? Yeah, there were so many what ifs to that scenario. Ugh. So many things you don't know. I mean, look at look at last year. If you said that the main event this year would be, you know, Seth Rollins versus Roman Reigns, well, <laughs> Reigns is no longer here, so not happening. So um, yeah, after re- after WrestleMania, um, Miz did lose the title to Cena and Morrison in a Triple Threat Steel Cage Match and Extreme Rules. The next night on Raw, Miz failed again to retain the title from Cena's singles match when he lost by DQ. And then the Actually, final. Actually, stop you there really quick Oop. too, because I, I I really I forgot, but I wanted to bring up too. During their WrestleMania main event, mm-hmm. um, you know, poof, there were so many people that had tried to defeat John Cena at the you know showcase of the Immortals. Shawn Michaels, Batista, JBL, Edge, Triple H, Big Show. They have all tried and failed to defeat Super Cena. Whether he's defending the title or challenging, you know, he always seemed to come out on top regardless of whatever you know the caliber of his opponents this article says and that's true that's very true now it might have been a bit of an underwhelming match because the rock restarted the match after the miz fully earned everybody's respect after taking one of the nastiest bumps on the back of his head onto the concrete and then continuing to finish the match i remember that you remember that they, yeah i do they, they you know slammed each other through the side rail on the outside of the, you know, the, the outer, you know, wall and the Miz's head bounced like a basketball off the arena floor, fully concussed, dazed and confused. He went ahead and was seemingly, you know, without missing a beat, able to finish the match and win. And granted, you know, the, the rockets in the ring hits the rock bottom on Cena, but I, I wish it was just a distraction angle. I really do. Yeah. But I give the Miz 110% credit for being able to not only, you know, hit every mark that he had to there, finish the match, but able to be, you know, able to celebrate afterwards and, you know, play to the crowd. And I I cannot, I've been concussed from a car accident. I cannot fathom how bad that hurt. And I, I didn't even hit my head that hard and had no idea where I was. So for him to do that, you know, and, and that's not even all on instinct. That was uh, the number one defining moment for him. It says here, it was okay. the way he retained his title. That's so. fair because I, I was like the, the the him winning the titles number two. I do remember that because um, yeah, just how nuts that was. I do remember that moment. It was just yeah, yeah. and I've been and concussed too. People can claim to have walked into their you know first WrestleMania main event to have their hand held high with a full concussion. When they're up against a modern day Hulk Hogan, well, and that is so true. And you said you've been concussed as well. I mean, my God, you know, then, yeah, yeah. It's, it's brutal. Well, I was gonna say the only other person I can think of was Lesnar. Yeah, granted, but I, I, still, I, I'll concede to that. But still, but I mean, yeah, Lesnar's a fucking monster. So it's it's. I'm not trying to downplay his injury, but I mean, Lesnar fucking killed himself in that match. I mean, it was. But I, yeah, I get I get the point. It was still insane. 
Yeah, Lesnar with the shooting star press and <laughs> Yeah. Ugh. But anyway, um, let's see. So now so back to this again. So Extreme Rules, next pay-per-view, Miz lost the title to Cena in Triple Threat Steel Cage, also involving John Morrison. Next time Raw, Miz failed to regain the singles title uh, the, the championship again in a singles match when he lost by DQ. And then I remember this one that really pissed me off was the I quit match at Over the Limit. Because I remember this very distinctly where Miz and Alex Riley, because it's no DQ, were beating the unholy living hell out of John Cena. And he would refuse to say he would quit. And this went on for like 20 minutes. And then finally, towards the entrance ramp, Cena finally got some sort of moment in, grabbed Miz, put him in the STF, and uh, instantly Miz said, I quit. And this had happened once before, you know. It was literally a rinse and repeat, you know, copy and paste scenario. I distinctly remember Randy Orton handcuffing John Cena's wrists and and basically crucified him. You know, he hung him from the turnbuckle and proceeded to beat him within an inch of his life with a kendo stick. Upwards of 20 minutes of abuse, all for Cena to just barely get out of the, you know, hanging tree of woe that he was in, just not upside down. And he went ahead, put him, put Orton into the STF with the handcuffs and made him tap. So when we saw the same thing happen where Cena got annihilated for upwards of 20 minutes just to get the STF locked in and see the Miz tap, it was infuriating. I was Ugh, I hated pissed. that. I hated that. And so at this point... Now Miz is on a downward spiral. He's now blaming Alex Riley for everything at this point, which ultimately leads into uh, his match with him at, at Capital Punishment. And this is kind of obviously where we get the, like, the blowout. Riley gets the win here against Miz, and then we have a bunch of other you know singles tag matches where he keeps losing because you know it's it's the same old like partnership split. And we we kind of saw this one coming. Um, Miz wins, goes on to go into the Money in the Bank again in 2011, uh, but ultimately uh, leaves. <laughs> he leaves the Money in the Bank ladder match after leaving with a knee injury, uh, kayfabe, but then returning, being stopped by uh, by Rey Mysterio. Next night on Raw, Miz made it to the final of the WWE Championship Tournament, which is when CM Punk. Remember that was the same Money in the Bank that CM Punk bolted with the WWE title, and they had to yes. crown a champion that night. He made it all the way to the final, but ultimately lost to. Um, uh, lost to Rey Mysterio in the final matchup. And then Miz is kind of just free-floating a little bit uh, at SummerSlam. He teams with R-Truth to uh, and Alberto Del Rio, losing to Mysterio, Kofi Kingston, and John Morrison at SummerSlam 2011 uh, in a six-man tag. And now we're getting the inception of Awesome Truth. Yeah. Um, and, yeah. and really quick before that, what, an, what another injustice that was. You know, you got John Cena yet again taking the title from Rey Mysterio after <laughs> just oh, winning God. and winning the matches. I don't think there's enough time uh, for me to so, go into that one. Jeez. I mean, no, we've, we, so, we've been on over an hour at this point, but still, I mean, good. <laughs> so, like you said, here we see R-Truth and The Miz attack Santino Morello before his match on the August uh, 22nd edition of Monday Night Raw. They cut a promo agreeing that there's a conspiracy in WWE keeping both of them out of the main event picture. They declare that they're going to work together and seize any future opportunity. So like you said, they call themselves the awesome truth. And this continues to happen for weeks on end. They attack CM Punk at Night of Champions while the referee was distracted, while the Miz attempted a pin. Uh, you know, the Miz assaulted him, causing uh, awesome truth, or excuse me, yeah, uh, to lose a WWE Tag Team Championship match to Air Boom. Uh, they were seeking retribution 
They both attacked Triple H and CM Punk during their no DQ match in the main event. Because of their actions from the previous night, R-Truth and The Miz were fired by Triple H on the September 19th episode of Raw. <laughs> I remember that. Yeah. So uh, at the conclusion of the main event at Hell in a Cell, I remember this, they had the cell raised back up and then lower back down. R-Truth and The Miz jumped the barricade wearing black hooded sweatshirts and entered the cell as it was being raised. Then they used weapons to attack Del Rio, CM Punk, John Cena, the referee, and cameramen, all while the cell was lowered again. So that was a really cool moment to see. You know, the cell starts to raise up, the match is over, and then all of a sudden, you know, you, you see these guys come in from the crowd, they slide into the ring, the cage lowers again, and they just wreck shop. They tear the house down. I do remember at this point they were trying to blend some story. Like, it, it seemed like... They were losing control of the show, and I kind of dug that because it was a little, eh, I don't want to say different, but it didn't seem like Truth and Miz were just running roughshod and doing whatever the hell they wanted. And there was some sort of conspiracy, and they were fired, and they, they put a lot of time and effort into it, and I, I have to give them props for that one. Um, you, you saw Triple H run out, panicked, trying to find a way into the cell. He had other superstars trying to help him. They had the police then there. you see the New Orleans, yeah, the New Orleans Police Department officers, yeah. they get the door open, they arrest them both. And this leads to, you know, Awesome Truth posting a video on YouTube apologizing to the universe for their actions. And they're reinstated by John Laurinaitis on October 10th. John and Miz and Truth defeat CM Punk and Triple H in a tag match. And that's when Kevin Nash interfered, helping them win. So later that night, they assault John Cena during his WWE Championship match with Del Rio. So, you know, we, we see them continue to uh, roughhouse the roster. Yep. Later on on Raw, they attacked John Cena and Zack Ryder, and uh, in retaliation, we see them in a match where they also beat uh, Cena and Ryder. So now here's the, the here's the interesting part I was mentioning about you know we were talking about way back in 2010 when Miz and or no 20 2009 2010 where Miz and Morrison were fighting DX and I said hey. It's a great chance for them to be exposed because even though you kind of know who's going to win, it's a chance for them to test their might. And this next match is the other reference I was making because, of course, we now get Miz and Truth teaming up at Survivor Series in the main event, Madison Square Garden, against the tag team of John Cena and The Rock. A lot of people are wondering, can Cena and The Rock put their differences aside? You know, they're going to be facing off against each other one-on-one -on -one in the main event of WrestleMania 28. Can they work together to stop Awesome Truth? Uh, you know, The Rock hasn't wrestled a match in over seven years at this point. We haven't seen The Rock since, what, WrestleMania 20 in the ring? Uh, yes. Yeah, when he teamed with Mick Foley. So The Rock and Sock Connection when they took on Evolution. And, you know, it's just like, wow, the, the, the crowd is at a fever pitch. Uh, the reaction for this match is next level. The hot tag from Cena to The Rock, I think, registered on the Richter scale. Even seeing The Rock sing, you know, New York State of Mind before the match, had uh, <laughs> the crowd just, you know, volcanic. It, it was incredible. So, you know, they did lose. They did lose. But they looked fantastic in defeat, I believe. No, and that's that was my point, is that, you know, even though... You knew it was going to happen. There's no yeah, way they're going to have right. Yeah, there's be. no. There's no way. There's no way Rock and Cena were going to lose. But I think that they, you know, and I think we've talked about this before on other shows. WWE sometimes cares more about moments than matches, and I think that's what it was really more about was the moment 
of Rock getting back in the ring and teaming with John Cena against who they team against like like that kind of general feeling not not to discredit Miz or Truth um but that they could prove that they could hold their own so well that they could yeah, put them up Yeah because I I always distinctly remember that they took on the Miz and our Truth. I don't have to think back and say, "Hmm, who was it against?" because of the way it was built up beforehand with them, you know, running shop on the entire roster for so long. This was a way for the good guys to finally, you know, take out the bad guys. They got their comeuppance and the crowd not only went home happy, but super happy. So. <laughs> Sorry, my, my mic was uh, muted there for a second. So uh, we're blowing through the rest of 2011 and because God, we have so much other stuff to go through. Um. <laughs> We have uh, Miz then uh, instigated truth. There's an argument between Truth and Miz. Miz then hits a skull-crushing finale on our Truth, and it's not because they hate each other. It's really because Truth had his suspension because of violating the wellness policy. See, the truth comes out. Uh, So then Miz (laughs) defeats John Morrison in a false count anywhere match. Um, He then qualifies for a triple threat TLC match against uh, Del Rio at Punk at the TLC pay-per-view. and obviously comes up short there because Punk continues his reign. And throughout January and February of 2012, Fizz uh, feuded with R-Truth, including a WWE Championship match at the Elimination Chamber, which was won, of course, by CM Punk. During this time, Miz lost to Truth in a singles match with a stipulation that the loser would enter the Royal Rumble match first in the Rumble match. Miz lasted the longest in the 2012 one with over 45 minutes before he was eliminated by Big Show. So, again, just another little accolade there for... Um, for yeah, Miz, he was Iron Man of that year. Yeah, so. so another notch in his belly, you know. I mean, even though 2011 really wasn't much of a year for him um, after losing the the championship, 2012 not looking too shabby either. But he's now desperate to find a spot on the WrestleMania 28 card, and this is when he joins that ridiculous 12 man tag team match. Um, yeah, this was a total shit show. You know, the Miz <laughs> picks up the win for Team Johnny. After pinning Zack Ryder, Zack Ryder gets kicked in the gonads by Eve, who he was in a relationship with up until that point. We find out she was just using him and turns heel. That's when she had kissed Cena and, you know, <laughs> embraced the hate. Oh, Cena God, yeah, I remember that all so, shit. Uh, this ends, you know, the 20 match losing streak as well, dating back to 2011. So, you know, then we get he. Then he um, loses a battle royal, singles match against Brodus Clay at Over Limit for God knows reasons why. But now Miz is um, – now Miz is starting to get – now this is where things start to change up because now Miz takes some time off. He comes back at Money in the Bank as a last-minute participant in the WWE Championship Money in the Bank contract match. At this point now, it's about the titles, not necessarily the brands. Uh, That one, though, was won by Cena, but at Raw 1000 – Miz defeats Christian and becomes the, uh, for the first time in his career, now he's the Intercontinental Champion. So he's been U.S. Champion, Tag Team Champion, WWE, uh, Money in the Bank, and now he's now the Intercontinental Champion. Now this officially makes him the 25th Triple Crown Champion and a Grand Slam Champion in the same process. So again, a lot of fucking title accolades here. Yep. Yeah, that's that's monumental. I mean, think about all he's accomplished in just a, a very short time here. So, he figures, really, he, you know, he's only had his, his true career since 2008. Yeah, granted, he started in 2006, you know, but really his career in my eyes started when everything happened in, in you know, about 2007. So you figure five years, he's accomplished a great deal. 
So his IC title run was about 85 days, which is about three months, not too shabby. He did have a bunch of uh, successful championship defenses, obviously. He did defend it successfully against Christian four days later on SmackDown, Rey Mysterio at SummerSlam, a fatal four-way against Cody Rhodes, Mysterio, and Sin Cara at Night of Champions. And that's this, on the list too. Uh, the four way. Excuse me. That's on the honor. Yeah, the honorable mention list for great matches from the Miz as well. So. Right, and then this is the part that again, shit like this just makes me laugh. So Miz then uh, re- um, loses the title to Kofi Kingston on the debut episode of Main Event. Yeah, how silly is that? <laughs> Well, keep in mind that when when WWE kind of rolled out main event and superstars, they were trying to capture it as like this big thing, and then it just eventually became, oh yeah, by the way, an excuse for content at this point. So, ta-da. Miz tries a couple more times to regain the title, but no luck. And now, um, this is the weird part. We're now into Survivor Series of 2012, and Miz is now a babyface. The fuck? Yeah, he confronts Paul Heyman and turns, basically. So it, it's a bit odd, but that that's, you know, his current role. And his his turn is not being received by the fans well. A lot of critics hating on him. They said that Miz as a fan favorite was too similar to his villainous character because he was still cocky, arrogant, egotistical, and he was just pivoted toward calling out established heels. So instead of calling out the, you know, the faces when he was a heel. Now he's a face calling out the villains. And a lot of people felt that he was still juvenile. His character lacked depth. Uh, he was still very annoying and grating and not endearing to the audience. He never felt like an underdog. He never felt truly established. People didn't, re- you know, find a way to become emotionally invested in his character. So no one ever got behind him. There wasn't much to develop on him over. There was never a moment that he shared with the audience where people you know aligned with his values and truly embraced him so therefore you know the 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 face run that he had was was essentially a failure right because i think he he tried i do remember there was a couple of weird ones i know he had a, a feud with um back when he was called antonio cesaro because yeah. he was us champion he was insulting america and this is this is when Flair was his mentor. I remember this now. Oh, yeah, and he adopts the leg lock as his finisher. And people were really upset about this because he felt more like a copycat of Flair than someone trying to, uh, you know, learn under the tutelage of. Yep. This, to me, was worse than when, uh, well, I don't know, uh, when when Flair was doing this to Styles in TNA. Where Styles had the robe and all that stuff. Yeah, Ugh, yeah. That, that I was, mean, that was that was pretty egregious. But this was yeah. this was equally as bad. So he was trying to get like Flair was trying to give him the figure four leg lock to like pass it on to him. Uh, Miz tried to challenge for Cesaro's U.S. title, no luck. Um, tried again on SmackDown, no luck. Always. Uh, then he went back to go after the IC title. Lost a triple threat match against Barrett and Jericho. Um, then defeated Barrett in a non-title match to earn another shot at the championship. And he ended up, this is I thought was interesting, captured the title by defeating Barrett at the WrestleMania 29 pre-show, so he won the second Intercontinental Championship, only to lose it back to him the next night on Raw. And then, of course, failed to capture it at Payback and the Money in the Bank pay-per-views later on in 2013 now. Now, we get into an interesting little run here where... Well, again, too, you figure he main-evented WrestleMania 27. 28, yep. he was involved in that 
you know, sloppy, egregious, and and overall faulty, you know, twelve man tag. Now he's on the pre show for twenty nine. So yep. I mean, it's just a huge misstep for him. Crazy how much a year can do, or in two years in this case. But now, uh, Miz is now the host of SummerSlam on August eighteenth of two thousand thirteen. Had a run-in with Fandango and then starts a feud between the two of them. So now he's back to being... Well, no, he's still a heel at this point? No, he's a baby face, is he? Yeah, no, he's still yeah. a face at this point. Yeah. Uh, Miz goes on to defeat Fandango uh, on both the September 2nd and 15th episodes of Raw um, and at Night of Champions. Uh, following that on Raw, Miz was assaulted by Randy Orton in front of his parents, resulting in a storyline injury. Miz then comes back again in October when he quickly loses to Orton. And then Miz starts to try to do another feud with Kofi Kingston, beating him on the Survivor Series pre-show. No disqualification match, uh, TLC. So really not much going for him at the end of 2013. It's just kind of, again, like floating around doing like random stuff. Um, February, though, of 2014... Miz uh, stormed out uh, during matches to complain about his lack of screen time and claiming that he should be in matches. He participated in the Andre the Giant Memorial Battle Royal, the first one at WrestleMania 30, but was quickly eliminated by Santino Morella. But then, takes another two-month hiatus, and this time he's filming the Marine 4 moving target. Um, and he comes back as a villain. I'm sorry, this is 2012, excuse me, 2012. I'm still in 2012, damn it. Um and he comes back. I'm cut you off here. We're yep. we're ringside. My daughter and I. June 29th is her birthday. So we're in 2012 and June 30th episode of Raw. We're there live. I believe this is at Hartford, Connecticut. And we're going ahead. And all night they said they had someone backstage. They show a limo. You know, someone's coming back. It's going to be a huge superstar. You're never going to believe who's coming. You know, and they're having someone debut. And you know, it, it's been a big night already. We saw. Uh, AJ Lee returned and she beat, you know, Paige for the, the Divas title. Uh, you know, the, we, there was quite a, uh, a you know, <laughs> a raucous feeling in the air. We go ahead. We all turn our attention to the Titan Tron. We have no idea who's going to be coming out. And we're waiting with bated breath. And we see this like pre-roll come out. And it kind of looks like the Rocks Hollywood Titan Tron where you see the... Uh, you know, the, the Hollywood skyline yeah, yep. and the camera pans over. It looks like a helicopter or a drone shot. The lights dim and then you hear it. Awesome. And both her and I look at each other like, son of a bitch. It's the Miz, you know? So, you know, you don't know who's coming back. So there's the Miz. He's in the ring. It's quiet. He's waiting for his chance to speak as the audience is booing him. And the pyro goes off and I lost my mind because it's Chris Jericho. That's right. Jericho comes back to the WWE and we see Jericho, you know, come down to the ring. They, they face each other. And uh, not long after do we get these two in a match where Jericho defeats Miz in his return match. So you can actually uh, on my channel on YouTube, there's a very old video, you know, back from this point in time. Well, you hear my voice crack as I'm screaming for Jericho. It's Jericho, you know. It's just <laughs> oh, I gotta see that. I gotta see that. But uh, yeah, you know, it's it's just uh, epic moment to see you know the Miz kind of get cucked out by Jericho. But it was cool to to have them you know uh, kind of surprise you in that way. You thought the Miz was the real surprise, but all in all, it was Jericho. So well, it was an interesting little like double twist. I guess you could say. Absolutely. And at this point in time, and this was 2013, I got my dates and mixed uh, notes mixed up. So this is 2013. Miz is back now as a heel, 
And now, no, sorry. If if, if he was in the WrestleMania third uh, thirty, then this no, would he's be... back as a heel now. He redebuts as the villain. So no, I'm just trying to try to think of timeline here because WrestleMania thirty was. And I gotta get these notes right here. Um, WrestleMania thirty was 2014. So this is 2014. We're in now. Good. Yes, we're getting. This is we're 2014. getting. Thank God, because <laughs> I, I'm starting to lose my mind here as far as these dates go. Yeah, okay, I know so, they kind of lap together. <laughs> so we're now in we're now in 2014. So he's back now um, uh, in June. So that, like you were just saying, on June 30th, and he's back now with this no newly Hollywood A-lister gimmick, which honestly has been the best one he's had so far. And there's a conundrum Absolutely, of different ones. Hands down. Yeah, this has been the best gimmick that he's had. He's obviously still has it to some extent, but now he's treating himself as this Hollywood premiere superstar, having been on the Marine. And, and honestly, after all the different incarnations of Miz that we've gotten up until this point, this has been the best one, and it's still going strong today. So we go on with, of course, as you mentioned, Miz losing to Jericho in his return match, which again was even shocking on that one because Miz coming back and losing, usually you see them make a debut return and, and win. But we do see at Battleground, Miz winning a Battle Royal, lastly limiting Dolph Ziggler to win the Intercontinental Championship for the third time. Now, at this point in time, uh, I believe the IC title had been uh, stripped. I can't even remember the, the situation around this. Um, but Miz ultimately winning the title for the third time. SummerSlam, he uh, loses it to Dolph Ziggler. But then later that month, we see another person, a new person, accompanying The Miz with him as uh, at ringside and, and to his matches. And that's, of course, my God, one of the best things I remember in the last decade. That's Damian Sandow, who is now the stunt double for The Miz, known as Damian Mizdow. He got himself over without ever saying a word. You know, The Miz would be in the ring and, you know, Mizdow, Damian Sandow, the stunt double would be on the apron or down on the arena floor, and he would be literally mimicking and copying every bit of the Miz's moves, mannerisms. Every time the Miz would take a bump, so, so would Miz Dow. Like it was just absolutely hilarious and and so understated for that time. The crowd fell in love with it very quickly, and it became an angle to look forward to week in and week out. That the was Miz probably would take off his glasses. He would do it. The Miz would give his finisher. He would he would mimic it. Everything was just perfect. There'd be bumps that he'd take. Like he would like like if I remember like in tag matches later on, like he would like get thrown like the hip toss over the over the rope, and and he would do the exact same thing. And to and to to Sandow's credit, not only was he doing the exact same things that Miz was doing, like you know mimicking him, but like even the wrestling moves, like the flips and shit. I was like Jesus, like the athleticism it takes in some of these is just insane. Especially doing it solo, you know, you have right, no exactly. You. you know, usually, like and for example, would go off the top rope, and then you would see, you know, and land on his opponent. So Mizdow would go ahead and jump off the top uh, rope onto nobody. It was so, it was so good. And the funny thing is, with this whole thing with them, when this was like really hot when it was first starting, at this point in time, at the end, like towards the end, like the fall and winter of 2014, Miz. Uh, only won back the IC title once and then lost it back to Ziggler. And then we didn't see him like involved in a championship thing until we fast forward to Survivor Series. So Miz kind of floats around as a single star with Mizdow kind of in his back story. Um, but again, Mizdow is getting so over. Uh, he tries challenging for the IC in the U.S. championships. No success. But then... We see at Survivor Series, they win, Miz and Mizdow win the WWE Tag Team titles um, in a fatal four-way. 
And man, the reason I bring this up specifically is because I remember that Miz would hold the tag team titles and Miz Dad would hold the toy versions of the tag team titles. Yes, the mini. <laughs> yes, and I just thought that like, the one like so, good. The <laughs> so good. So good. So good. Um it, uh, it was just so, just so priceless, honestly. Great, no no great, better way to put it. Such great stuff. So we see them continue to hold on to the tag team titles. Then they go into a feud with the Usos. And this is where we see Miz trying to interact with Naomi, Jimmy Uso's wife, and offering her a Hollywood, you know, a Hollywood contract to be in a music video. Yeah, and Miz has the connects. You know, he's got the in and he's gonna help her distribute her music video and he's gonna get her connected, you know, and so she could become the next Rihanna. Basically. Yes, uh, of course. Jimmy Us doesn't like that. TLC they ret- they lose the they lose the match by DQ, but of course retain the titles because after Miz hits Jimmy Uso with a Slammy Award, is that the first time that that, that no that, that can't be the first time someone's hit someone with the Slammy Award? I'm sure Owen Hart's probably done it a <laughs> bunch of times, um, but not too long after that, a couple of nights on Raw, Miz and Miz ultimately do lose uh, the titles to the Usos. They try to regain the titles back um, at the Royal Rumble, but no such luck. Um, but I just remember like the. Like, Again, the Mizdow thing was so damn funny with him just being able to mimic and copy everything. But the Rumble was interesting because this is where, unfortunately, the cracks start to seem to become apparent between Miz and Mizdow. Where yeah, the foundation Mi- is, is crumbling and yeah. these two are no longer on the same page. The Miz is, is starting to be very jealous and, you know, it, it's certainly showing. Wasn't there like a commercial that like Mizdow got over Miz? Yes. There was some, yeah, yeah. Ended up being like a male performance enhancement type thing that the Miz ended up getting. And <laughs> they just, yeah, you know, but it, it was funny. I have to go search that up yeah, after this one. The, here at the Royal Rumble, we go ahead and the Miz is the first entrant that year. He's eliminated by Bubba Ray Dudley. After that, Mizdow enters at number 21. Miz tries to take Mizdow's spot, only for Roman Reigns to push Miz off the apron. Mizdow is entered into the Rumble officially, but he gets eliminated by Rusev. So. And I remember Miz was like, yelling at him while they're sitting on the floor, and then Mizdow is just yelling back at like he's mimicking him. And it's <laughs> Yes, yes. So good stuff. So the Miz had it. You know, he's he's done. He fires Mizdow as a stunt double uh, and... You know, citing that he's gaining more attention from fans. He then rehires Ms. Dow as his personal assistant. So instead of being his stunt double, he's going to be his personal assistant. Right. Ms. Dow then ceased being that assistant at WrestleMania 31. Uh, you know, we, we saw them finally go ahead and, and split at that point. I think that I, I think I remember that because everyone was was expecting him to win the Andre the Giant Memorial Battle. He was probably the most over one in that battle royal. I remember that. And he didn't win. I was kind of like, I was kind of like shocked. The crowd was pissed. Yeah. You were there for that one, weren't you? No, no. That was, um, that was WrestleMania 31. I was at, I was at 32. Yeah. Which I'll get to. Okay. But, um, but then afterwards, we saw um, uh, April 20th, Miz defeats Miz Dow in a match where winner retained the Miz brand. Um, which of course, uh, means that, you know, he gets to keep the Miz Dow name. Um, and uh, but after Big Show and Miz interfered in each other's IC title matches against Ryback and Money in the Bank in June, all three wrestled for the title at SummerSlam. So yes, you heard this right: Big Show, Miz, and Ryback in a triple threat at SummerSlam in August for the Intercontinental Champ. What the fuck? It's wow. That feels like yeah, a universe more- mode fo- forcing a match right there. Like you're playing through really universe does. mode. Yeah. <laughs> Unfortunately, so- it wasn't a good match. It wasn't well received, and no fault of the Miz. He tried, but. 
you know, the big show is, is, is pretty slow at, at the, at that point in time, put on a lot of extra weight and, you know, not against Ryback, but he wasn't exactly delivering five-star matches either. And right. there just wasn't a lot for the Miz to work with. Cause we, we've seen him deliver, you know, high caliber, exciting matches, many many times and it just you know it depends on who you're working with but you can only make you know shits shine so much so the story was obviously more about ryback and big show because they're two powerhouses and and, and miz was kind of like the third wheel in that one which eh, yeah, he was it, just it, thrown into that yeah one. unfortunately the rest of 2015 really doesn't go too well for miz there's really not much to talk about here because we have survivor series he's in the five on five uh he loses uh, Rumble, he is in at number 25, but in 2016, and gets eliminated by Roman Reigns, so really not much there. However, until we get to WrestleMania 32, this is the one that I was at. Because uh, okay, is- I knew you had seen him you know, uh, be pretty victorious. And that's why I wasn't sure which one you had seen him at. You know, which yes. One you were- well, I was at WrestleMania 32, and I was at the Raw after. Okay, that that's all right. That makes yep. sense. Yeah, so... Of course, Miz is now in a seven-man ladder match for the Intercontinental Championship WrestleMania 32. He actually had the belt in his hand, and it was about to pull the belt off, but ultimately the was pushed off and won by Zack Ryder. Big, huge swerve. But then the, the next night on Raw, post-WrestleMania, Miz tricks Zack Ryder into a rematch, and we see the return of Maurice, which in, in real life is Miz, Miz's wife. Uh, Maurice hadn't been seen on WWE television for, man, I don't even know how long. Um, many, many, many years at that had point. To, had to be in at least. Feels me, like a decade. Let me see if I can quit. <laughs> let really me see while I'm, while I'm looking up here real fast and see like when. Yeah, uh, Maurice goes ahead four and years. makes her return. That, wow. Four or five years. even longer. She managed Ted and DiBiase uh, at the end of her career in 2011, October 28, 2011, and then came back on the April 4th, 2016 episode of Raw where Miz regains the intercontinental. So Zack Ryder wins the title at WrestleMania and loses it to Miz the very next night. Yeah, the Maurice. very next night because yep. Maurice is there. You know, she makes her surprise return, and she distracts Zack Ryder by slapping his father. Oh, yeah. And becomes the Mrs. manager in this process. And the yep. two of them also become an on-screen power couple, obviously married in real life. Now, you know, you go back to a lot of the things that Miz has had with, like, managers trying to, like, and other, like, sidekicks trying to elevate him. Again, much like the Hollywood A-lister gimmick, this is, this is the best. That's, the, the, Maurice, the Maurice pairing was the best one out of them all. Because you had... You had him with Morrison, which was more of an equal tag team thing. You had him with like Big Show as another equal partner. But with like you look at Alex Riley was like the first really big one. Um, and then you had him with Mizdow, right? Like we just talked about. And Riley, I, I kind of like wished more for Riley. Mizdow was super fucking hot, which was just like no one expected that, but still fun and entertaining as all hell. But you knew that was going to run its course. With Maurice. At least initially, we, we find out obviously later that Maurice will wrestle, but Maurice was there just to put the spotlight on Miz, and to me, that elevated Miz even further. Yeah, um, so I it mean, wasn't them yeah. being the it couple? Uh, you know, they backed that up by him continually defending the IC title and her enabling him to do so. And we saw the Miz face a flurry of excellent opponents here. This is where his in ring work really got the chance to shine. He yes. was defeating the likes of Cesaro, Kevin Owens, Sami Zayn. You know, it, it just kept, you know, getting better and better. And Extreme rules. He, he has a fatal four-way against all four of them. 
Yeah, and that was uh, high on the list as well. We'll go over that later for the top matches in his career. So at Battleground, uh, the IC match between Miz and Darren Young ends in a double disqualification after the Miz pushes Bob Backlund and Young oh attacks him. So I forgot about Bob the make. Backlund was being... Uh, you know, the mentor to Darren Young, uh, similar to what Ric Flair did to the Miz, you know, a few make, years back. We're going to make Darren uh, Young great again. <laughs> Holy fucking God. Yeah, Some they're going to give Darren remember. Young the chicken wing, you know, chokehold. And oh, my God. <laughs> really didn't didn't sell well on TV. Came across rather silly and, and made Darren Young look like a fool. So, well, yep. And then so, so this... forward to SummerSlam, uh, yep. Miz defends the title against Apollo Crews. Now, and... remember, though, right before this, the. Before SummerSlam, we do have the 2016 draft or the WWE draft round two, version two, uh, which is still questionably successful. Oh, yes. I forgot about this. Yeah. And Miz gets drafted with the IC title over to SmackDown. Yeah. Which, uh, you know, so we see him defeat Apollo Crews. And then we head into, uh, you know, one of the more defining moments recently. Uh, August 23rd, we get an episode of Talking Smack. The Miz is Again, highly praised after going on a tirade against SmackDown general manager Daniel Bryan. Calls Daniel a coward uh, for not returning to the ring when he promised the fans he would. Really, you know, gives Daniel Bryan a tongue lashing here. And it was just so incredible to see how The Miz, you know, just just expelled such emotion and, and really broke the fourth wall. It was amazing. Now, you have to remember that Miz, right, at this point in time, in this year, right, as we mentioned before, the beginning of 2016, really didn't do a whole hell of a lot, won the Intercontinental Championship. He hasn't lost the IC title. At this point in time, he's still the Intercontinental Champion. And for all of you old school fans out there, it's the second most important championship in a lot of people's eyes, right? It's still considered to be the second most important championship. Yes. And so he has a bunch of these rando matches I mean, the SummerSlam one I remember was very, very good. But then, yeah, like, Cruz, that was excellent. Even, but, even the you know, the Fatal Four Way that they had was really good as well. And then just nothing. But well, and I shouldn't say nothing. But then all of a sudden, you know, Brian calls him a coward, and he's like, you know, he's getting bull bullshit. In fact, there's actually uh, an interview when he said, um, you know, I'm the Intercontinental Champion. You don't have room for me on SmackDown. Like that was the big gripe with him. He was bullshit at that. He's like, I'm the Intercontinental Champion. Like you should make a priority. But like I'm a, I'm a fucking champion. He goes, I'm, I'm just bullshit. He goes, put me on Talking Smack. I'm gonna let it all come out. Yeah, and he says that he's not going to defend his IC title until they show him, you know, the recognition that he deserves, and he wants to, you know, have his contract be basically enhanced. So. Now, at this point, he starts another mini rivalry with Brian, but like the, the Brian thing is kind of like in the in the background, in the in the background. Yeah, but in the front, he wrestle, you know, right. so they're, they're keeping this all vocal at this point in time. Daniel Bryan did retire from in-ring action, you know, not not that long before this, unfortunately. So. But but then came, my opinion, one of his better IC title rivalries against Dolph Ziggler at this point in time. Because you had, I don't know, I just felt like it had a perfect blend of everything mixed together um, with Miz, with Maurice, with, um, you know, Ziggler chasing Miz after the championship. He used like a, a, a weird substance to, to spray Ziggler twice, ultimately leading to 
a match at No Mercy where Miz put the IC title on the line and Ziggler was putting his career on the line. Yes, and this was the number two best match in the Miz's career. Completely agree with that. Yeah, I, I definitely agree with that. That was yeah. one fucking no Mercy, bar 2016. burner. Yeah, this was just... I mean, they, they faced off, what, at least a dozen or so times on television the last four years, but it says here, you know, and it, and this is true, I can't say it better myself, this encounter in particular stands out above the rest due to not only the story that they told throughout the rivalry, but this match in particular. Miz was lighting the world on fire, it says, with his remarkable mic work, which, you know, we made light of, and fans wanted to see, you know, the former champion, Dolph Ziggler and Miz's, you know, reign here, which is why their No Mercy match worked so well. Even though the Spirit Squad Maurice attempted to interfere on Miz's behalf, Ziggler found a way to come out on top. And even though the Miz lost, he looked so just fantastic yet again. And that that was one of the the, the, the shining qualities I feel the Miz looking great in defeat. How many times have we said that now? You know, he's lost to Cena. He's lost to, you know, so many people as, as time's going on. Lost to The Rock. Lost to, you know. But he looks great in defeat. Not many people can do that. Not many no, people can no, go ahead and, and, and shine when they lose. And there was so much emotional build into it, too, because there's rumor that Ziggler was going to leave. Um, there was just emotional moments from Ziggler. You know, it, it made you think, like, this was it. And it just... Ah, so well done, but of course, like Kenny and Mikey with the spirit squad to really rub in the fact that, you know, this is where you came from and, and, you know, you were always a nothing. I mean, the, the Miz had held the title for 188 days at that point and defended it, you know, very regularly too. It wasn't like it was his U S title run where it was never defended. So, so Ziggler redeems the title at no mercy. And then, uh, we see, uh, rematch. We see. We, we want to. We want to see like a rematch between the two, and it, it keeps building and building. And ultimately, we say um, Brian makes an offer to Miz to face Ziggler for the Intercontinental Championship. And if um, Ziggler successfully retained the title, Miz and Maurice would be traded to Raw, which I thought was a very interesting little twist. Because usually, when you hear the whole thing of like, oh, if they lose, they're never getting a title shot or some like you know weird stipulation, but the the trading to Raw made it seem very real because now you have Daniel Bryan mixed in the whole thing. And then on top of that, it's a stipulation that you could see being carried out. But unfortunately, yeah. it didn't work out for them as, of course, Maurice helped Miz to win the championship for a sixth time. And that's what made it seem like, oh, this was written in stone that he was going to lose because we thought that the Miz was going to be basically, you know, traded to Raw at this point. So, you know, that was a great way to hook, line, and sinker you know, the fans once again with the Miz. So then we got um, Miz uh, successfully retaining the title against Sami Zayn at Survivor Series in a Raw versus SmackDown match, which I thought was a very clever finish. Maurice rang the bell early to distract Sami Zayn. Thought it was fucking genius. Um, yeah, there, she's she's again, you know, a, a great asset in his corner. There was actually a um, there was an actually it reminded me there was a thing that Bobby Heenan did once, and I can't remember what the match was, but he was right at ringside, and what he did was he. Um, he got really close, like the guy was pinning the other guy, right? And so the referee was counting the three. So the referee goes one, two, and then Bobby Heenan hits the mat and goes three before the referee does. And so the guy gets up thinking he got the so the guy gets up thinking he's got the pin. And he's like, no, I didn't count three. He's like, you just did. He goes, no, that was him. And then turns around and loses. We don't I'm like, see That's enough of that. Fucking genius. 
So good. I love that. I thought it was Such so a clever. Yeah, effective way to cheat. And we don't see that enough. And so I thought that the whole prematurely ringing the bell was a kind of a little twist on that, which I thought was really clever. So uh, we see um, we see Miz continue to defend the title. We see him against defending against Kalisto. Um, then later on, we see um, at TLC um, in a ladder match, Miz retains once again over Dolph Ziggler, kind of wrapping up that whole feud. And then we go into a mini feud with Miz and Dean Ambrose, uh, which was very intriguing because <laughs> they were attempting to bring Renee Young in. I remember they were trying to coerce May Renee Young because Miz was, of course, pointing out that Renee Young, who's the uh, an interviewer there at the time, you know, you're the one sleeping with him and try to finagle her into the rivalry, which never actually panned out. Yeah, but she ends up slapping the Miz during that interview, and it was, you know, not shocking, but well deserved. <laughs> yes. Uh, ultimately, Miz does lose the Intercontinental Championship to Ambrose uh, on the January 3rd episode of SmackDown Live. Uh, then, going into the um, the Royal Rumble, we saw saw Miz ultimately lose as uh, he was eliminated by the Undertaker. Because if I saw a dead man coming at me at that age, I'd fucking run out of the ring myself too. <laughs> more, um, more dead man in the clinical sense at this God, point. No, no, thank you. So January of 2017 now. God, these years are getting all yes. blending together. Miz is revealed to be one of the participants in the Elimination Chamber match for the WWE title. Uh, Miz loses after being eliminated by John Cena. That's the one that ultimately Bray Wyatt ended up winning. Fucking weird on that one to say that. Yeah, really weird to see Bray Wyatt as the champion heading into WrestleMania. And so, this starts one of one of yep. my favorite uh, recent feuds with the Miz. Uh, you know, they, they go and start attacking the relationship of Nikki and John Cena. Right. And my God, they, they went ahead and made fun of, uh, you know, total Bellas and total divas. Joe Cronin and I were actually there at SmackDown when they did the first vignette promo, basically, you know, of, of them making fun of Cena's house rules and everything that they had. Oh, those were gold. There. Those were so good. It was, they, you know, Maurice acting like Nikki was spot on and <laughs> the Miz being Cena, you know, talking about his house rules and how, you know, Nikki was basically a pain in the ass. It, it was so hilarious. I, I cannot stress you enough. If you've not seen those, or even if you haven't seen them in a while, go look those up either on the network or on YouTube. It is a joy to watch again. I watched them, you know, in preparation for this, and it I, I laughed the entire time. I remember, like, you know, uh, and, and then he also would, like, pretend to, like, give her a ring. Oh, yes, because they were mocking the fact that they weren't engaged at that point yep. in time and that they would never be the, the type of couple that yeah. they were, which, lo and behold, was I got, true. <laughs> I got you a ring, a WWE ring. I, oh, I, I got you a diamond, Dallas Page Yoga. Like, it was just fucking <laughs> so good. Like, really going to oh, go back John. and look at it. Yeah. yeah, John. So ultimately, this does lead to their um, their mixed tag match at WrestleMania. It's Miz and Maurice against Cena and Nikki. If you guys probably know at this point what happens, Cena and Nikki win. Cena proposes to Nikki, and that <laughs> saying that out loud now, <laughs> hindsight being twenty twenty, oofa. Um. Ooh. Anyway, Miz then gets drafted over to Raw right afterwards as part of the Superstar Shakeup, um, and actually show up as seen in Nikki from the segments again, uh, and, get, and then once again, get confronted by Dean Ambrose again, just, you know, feuded for the IC title. We see Miz and Ambrose kind of going back and forth. Uh, tension between them continues as uh, he shows up Miz TV interviewing Finn Balor, calling Balor a failure. So they didn't even have a match of the pay-per-view, which is Miz TV segment. Um, yeah. Then we see Miz defeating Balor and Seth Rollins in a triple threat match. Um, 
Ambrose and Miz came co-general managers of Raw on the May 8th episode in 2017 because of uh, Kurt Angle and Stephanie McMahon just not being there, which I thought was really fucking funny. Um, yeah, and th- and then we s- yeah, Miz beats Ambrose by DQ in a title match for the Intercontinental Championship after Ambrose attacked him with a low blow, and then um, which leads to Extreme Rules Miz winning the title for the seventh time against Dean Ambrose, so seven time Intercontinental Champion, fucking nuts. Massive um, accomplishment there. So now we, we head into June, and during an in-ring celebration, you know, for his seventh uh, IC title victory here, you know, his seventh championship reign, Maurice wants to go ahead and give the Miz a you know a wonderful gift, and the Miz, thinking that it's Ambrose hiding inside the gigantic present, destroys Maurice's grandfather clock that she was giving to the Miz. So great in-ring segment from these two. Something, again, that I look back on fondly. Um, we see more Miz TV segments with the, you know, the feud going on here. And it, it just continues to, to escalate between the two as time goes on. And we see uh, later on in the end of June, uh, June 26th episode of Raw, Miz and the Miztourage, who he now has Bo Dallas and Curtis Axel on his side. Uh, They fought against Ambrose, Heath Slater, and Rhino in a winning effort. So now he's got a new set of cronies behind him, you know, and and again, the Miz is flourishing as he's being kind of the the teacher role once again. Man, I love the the Miz Taraj. Now the B team, I I love Miz Taraj because I think Bo and Kurt, really, they weren't doing shit. And to put them together as a team and to have them at least incorporated in some way with the Miz... Um, I thought they were fucking hilarious, especially when we, there's a there's an episode where like Miz wasn't there like in Christmas, uh, in 2017. Yes. Um, yeah, it was great stuff, and it was just there was caroling. It was fucking hilarious, <laughs> and not to be outdone, but you know it, it, it's kind of understated. But think about it: how many times now has Miz been in this this tutor type role, and has he elevated greatly the person that he's working with? He's done it with Riley. He did it with you know uh, Daniel Bryan. He did it with, you know, the the Taraj. He's done it again with, you know, it just time and time again. Damien Mizdow. It's amazing how he's just really able to take somebody under his wing and make them, you know, such huge stars. Now, at this point, they're kind of free floating with the Miz still being Intercontinental Champion with the Miz Taraj behind them. We get uh, successful title defense against Dean and Great Balls of Fire. Still wish they brought that pay per view back. Um, and then SummerSlam, we see them in a pre-show with Miz and Mizdaraj against Jason Jordan, Hardy Boys in the six-man tag, which is that one that I was actually at, but I couldn't see this oh, wow. match. Well, I couldn't see this match because that was the one where they pre they they aired the pre-show before a bunch of people could get in the arena. Oh, and so they were right. they were re- yeah they were wrestling in front of like an empty crowd. What a travesty! That was just oh, and Miz was bullshit. And I do not blame him. So uh, we get Jeff getting a uh, an IC title shot, uh, but Miz successfully retains it. Um, then Jason Jordan becomes number one contender, and at no mercy, Miz retains the title against him as well. Um, continues on a bunch of uh, successful title reigns or title defenses, I should say. But it looks like he doesn't lose it until I'm trying to see here what we got going on. Miz then, oh yeah, this is a random one. We ultimately see Miz team with Cesaro, Sheamus, Kane, and Braun Strowman. That's five people team up against the shield but reigns who is not completely uh, uh not medically cleared to compete because of the mumps had to be replaced by kurt angle 
Yeah, so and it's like take your grandfather to work day for what the, the shield. fuck. <laughs> I'll never forget when Kurt walked out oh, in the SWAT gear, just smiling. You have Dean and Seth looking so serious and ready for action, and there's Kurt just grinning a, ear to ear. <laughs> it's like a real life bad Photoshop. You know what I mean? Like if someone's it like, "Oh, really Kurt was, was part of the Shield," no, it wasn't. And then they show the horrible picture. Like, fucking real life. Um, oh yeah, I believe so, that. So of course they lose. Matt uh, Miz retains the title again against Matt Hardy. Um, then we see uh, at Survivor Series, Miz challenging Baron Corbin as he's the U.S. champion. He's the IC champion, and Miz lost that one as well. Uh, finally, Miz loses his Intercontinental Championship to of all people Roman Reigns on November twentieth of Raw twenty seventeen, ending his title reign. 169 days. This was, of course, so he could take time off to film the Marine Six closed quarters. And I don't closed even know what this quarters. I'm curious how many. I'm legit curious how many Marines. Um, legit, how many Marines they're gonna movies they're gonna make out of them? I, I just up don't to know. Seven now, right? So uh, I think they're about to make an eighth one, which I would not be surprised at this point. WB Films, because all we make is the Marine. Oh, they're continually successful. So well, DVD sales are great. Uh. I wanted to mention this too, and this is a footnote that I might as well mention now because we're we're powering through this. And uh, the next thing is about a Ms. TV segment that he's going to be doing, and that's how he returns on the on January eighth, twenty eighteen, to host an episode of Ms. TV. But the interesting thing is, and I just thought about this: is Ms. TV the longest talk show in WWE? I think so, because when you look back on everything else that's been there, I mean. The cutting edge still happened at Raw, or excuse me, SmackDown 1000, right? Or was it after that? Um, with Becky Lynch, I believe we saw the cutting edge happen. So yes, I'm not sure when that started, but you know, it's close. It's got to be close. Because I was just thinking about that when we were like getting, uh, you know, doing all the research and stuff. I'm like, you know, we've seen. We've seen a bunch of different incarnations of different talk shows. I mean, they just debuted the Moment of Bliss on Raw, but I think Ms. TV has been the longest talk show segment in WWE history. I could be wrong about that one, but I'm pretty yeah, confident I that's the either. Cutting edge would be would be close because you know with edge. I would I would think Piper's Pit or the uh, highlight reel would be close. Oh, the highlight reel as well. Yeah. Yeah. So tough call. I'll have to do some digging on that one. But maybe you guys can help us out with the when the yeah. comments are on social as, media. As far as like episodes go, yeah, I, I think the Miz takes the cake. I, I, I that. think you're I right. Had the most you know, so, episodes of Miz TV. So, so Miz comes back on on twenty uh, January eighth, twenty eighteen, to host Miz TV at Raw twenty five. He defeats Roman Reigns to win his eighth Intercontinental Title. Uh, Miz of great there. I yeah. Mean, no, my God. Think Jesus. About that. Eight um. I title reigns. Second only to Jericho has nine. Right. Yes. Yeah, I think Jericho Sorry. has nine. Unless you count the IWGP, and then shit. Um, <laughs> um, Miz then competes in the Royal Rumble. He failed to win, of course, getting eliminated. Next down on Raw, Miz defeats Re uh, Reigns in a rematch to retain the title. On the February 5th episode of Raw, Miz defeats Apollo Crews to enter in the 2018 Elimination Chamber. This one is to determine who faces Lesnar for the Universal title, but he gets eliminated first. Um, then, Miz takes place, of course, in the Mixed Match Challenge Tournament with Asuka, and eventually goes on to the Finals. This takes place over the course of several weeks leading up to WrestleMania 34, but he ultimately wins with Asuka uh, as they support the charity for Rescue Dogs Rock. I like the idea of Mixed Match Challenge. I guess we might as well talk about this real quick. I like the concept of it because obviously they were trying to use the this in, in, in conjunction with Facebook, um, but I just felt like, why should I give a shit? 
Yeah, I mean, they, they, they didn't really give us much reason to care. And the problem was with the first season as well, they they were a fun pairing, you know, mixing people up at random. It felt like for the most part, there were a few that were either couples or tag teams previously, but most of them were just kind of randomly paired, it seemed. But Asuka having her undefeated streak heading into WrestleMania really hindered the fact that you knew they weren't going to lose this tournament. So, Well, I mean, it, yeah, it... I just don't. It made it, it made it a given as well, so that was my problem. With- well, obviously, we know Miz takes place in the second one, and at least then, like even halfway through, they're like, "Well, by the way, the winners get number thirty in their in their rumbles." Like at yeah, least that's so fun- then they tried to give you more of a reason to care, but that should right. have been you know instated early on. But right. So ultimately, fast yeah, there wasn't forward- really much reason to get involved into the mix match challenge. No. I mean, it was a a cool little extra. I mean, if you're you're a big fan of a specific person you could follow them but once they were eliminated it was hard to stay invested yeah it just it wasn't it really didn't do anything for me uh but at wrestlemania 34 we ultimately get the triple threat between seth rollins finn balor and the miz where miz loses the title to seth rollins at that point in time uh suffering his first pinfall loss at wrestlemania fun factoid kids yeah so now we're in the last fucking year holy shit (laughs) a lot of ground to cover here so April, uh, Miz gets traded back over to SmackDown on a part of the 2018 Superstar Shakeup. Uh, later that night in his last match for Raw, Miz team with the Miztourage takes on Kevin Owens, Sami Zayn, Seth Rollins, um, Finn Balor. Oh, sorry. He teams with Kevin Owens, Sami Zayn, and Miztourage take on Balor, Bal- uh, Balor, Rollins, Braun Strowman, Bobby Roode, and Bobby Lashley in a 10-man t- tag team match. This would, of course, ultimately mean the split of the Miztourage as Miztourage formulates into the B team as Miz is going solo over to SmackDown again. And think about how much the Miz did for them. I mean, the, the immediately when they separate from him, they go on to become tag team champions. You know? Yeah, so, right. Yeah, it's kind of weird that like can't, they can't state that enough. Nope. This was a weird time frame though, because there was a lot of blending over because the superstar shakeup was in the middle of like backlash and the greatest Royal Rumble, and it was just a weird because they were already announcing matches for guys who have already jumped ship to other brands. So I know that Miz challenged for the IC title a couple more times, like at the Greatest Royal Rumble event. Um and also at I think Extreme Rule. No, um sorry, Backlash. So Backlash and Greatest Royal Rumble challenged again. Hell of a fatal four way ladder match at Greatest Royal Rumble actually. Um uh, but still excellent match. Excellent yeah. match. I think that was number five or four on the list. So but no such luck. Uh, tries to get into the men's Money in the Bank ladder match for SmackDown uh, once he's over there in July, but ultimately fails to win the ladder match. But then we get to SummerSlam, which has and a here we have the you know the, the coup de gras, the the highlight feud, reuniting with his uh, you know former <laughs> student Daniel Bryan, and after all this time of him calling out Daniel Bryan, calling him a coward saying how weak he is and how he ran from conflict, they finally get a chance to, uh, you know, go face-to-face here yet again. And, you know, you figure Daniel Bryan is a miracle in his own right. He went from being on top of the world, white hot, number one wrestler in the company, WrestleMania 30, you know, huge victory to having to relinquish the titles, to coming back the year later, winning the IC title, having to relinquish that one as well then retiring from in-ring action entirely, becoming the SmackDown GM, and then using hyperbaric chamber treatments to recover his body and get himself back into wrestling. He, he you know, unretired and came back. And that's, that's a, a feat 
unlike any other has performed before. So, I mean, just amazing that he was able to come back to wrestling at all, and especially in a full-time capacity like he's been. So the fact that this feud is even able to happen is a miracle in its own right. But and he gets punished by facing big cast. Yes. <laughs> so here we go ahead and we see the Miz, you know, uh, get handed brass knuckles by his wife, Maurice, who's in the front row of the crowd, whom we haven't seen in quite some time at this point, I might add. Uh, he uses those brass knuckles to defeat Daniel Bryan at SummerSlam. Following SummerSlam, The Miz mocks Daniel Bryan by delivering a fake retirement speech, and he goes on to announce that he was officially retired from facing Bryan ever again before Bryan and the returning Brie Bella would announce that uh, Paige had booked Miz and Maurice in a mixed tag match against them two at the Hell in a Cell pay-per-view. So, of course, he's not retired from facing Daniel Bryan, and they're going to have a match. So at the event, Miz and Maurice would go on to win after Maurice pinned uh, Brie Bella. Yeah, I remember being surprised at that. Here too. I did yeah. not think that they were going to go ahead and overcome the odds that is the face duo of Daniel Bryan and, you know, Brie Bella. But it happened, and I could not have been happier. <laughs> I love you. are just like, yeah, yeah, it fucking happened. It I did happen. I was so surprised because you usually, <laughs> you know, the Miz is one to look great in defeat, and that's not what happened here. So, no. Following that match, it was announced that Miz and Brian would face each other one more time at the Super Showdown event in Australia, with the winner getting a future WWE Championship match. And Miz was defeated by Daniel Bryan. I believe this was the one where he rolled him up and beat him in mere seconds. Yes. Yeah, that was he the one. Beat beat the Miz in six seconds. Miz not looking good in defeat here. <laughs> no. Uh, ultimately, we see uh, Miz then go into the World Cup tournament that's going to take place at Crown Drool, uh, which ultimately sees him advance all the way to the finals against Dolph Ziggler <sighs> until he, quote, injures his knee and is unable him to compete, which means SmackDown Commissioner Shane McMahon runs in and replaces him, defeating Ziggler, to win the World Cup. Did you hear that? That's me smacking my head. You know, it's like, oh, how could you, how could you do this to us? Come on, Vince, don't you know better? Why could they not have just given this to, to the Miz? After everything that he's done for you, all that he's accomplished, just let him be the best in the world. But nope, a McMahon has to take it. So We, we see At Miz. now they've turned it somewhat into a storyline, but even still, right. no one wants it. Speed bump in the road there. Miz and Daniel Bryan actually become co-captains for uh, Team SmackDown for Survivor Series. That gets changed, though, unfortunately, as... Well, I shouldn't say unfortunately. As Daniel Bryan wins the WWE Championship, therefore he's interjected in his match with Brock Lesnar, which means Miz goes on to lead Team SmackDown to defeat at the hands of Raw Survivor <laughs> Series. And now, as we were talking about this at the beginning... He's now teaming with Shane McMahon to try to be, become the best tag team in the world. Um, not to be confused with Haas and Benjamin, the world's greatest tag team. That's a different moniker. Uh, <laughs> but now they're trying to challenge, and they will be challenging, as of this recording, Cesaro and Sheamus for the SmackDown tag team titles. Holy I shit, that's a lot. My I mean, God. That's, a, that's a lot to cover. And when you think about it, when in, in retrospect here, when you look back and you think of how much The Miz has accomplished with him starting on the real world and saying that, you know, oh, Mike, Mike Mizzenden, what, what are you doing? And he's like, oh, I'm The Miz, you know, and he, he walks around with a toy championship belt. And for him to create this persona and and truly go ahead and make it in the wrestling business on nothing but a hope, prayer and a dream is astounding. I'm I'm you know, it's hard to fathom that he's accomplished all he has. 
with with such you know aspirations yet not humble beginnings you know he started off on reality tv no one else really excluding the tough enough crew i'm saying you know outside of the wrestling industry has has been able to do something like the miz has where they go ahead and they get themselves popular and then get you know interjected directly into the wwe you know he wasn't in developmental for long at all and he got put right onto the main roster and from there you know he's had a hell of a career he's main evented wrestlemania He's what he he won eight intercontinental championships. Uh, you know, he he's been the US champion for over three hundred days. You know, it just he went ahead and and accomplished a great deal. And somehow as much as he's won, he's always managed to even look better in defeat. And I said that time and time again. But mm. think about how many stars currently have a problem with losing. And immediately as soon as they lose, you write them off instantly no you're absolutely right he, he's he been able to bounce back so much i mean you just listed off his accolades not to mention you know like we said mixed match challenge money in the bank triple crown grand slam slammy award like i mean it's interesting that realistically he and i'm trying to think of the best way to phrase this you know russell's careers have peaks and valleys he really hasn't had too many valleys no he hasn't he has he's, he's had them an upswing but never was it that long. It was never no. a major descent. And when he did have those down periods, he found a way to disappear for just a few months, even if it was filming a movie or taking time off. And he found a way to reinvent himself, even just a little bit. He came back with enough momentum to capture another title and be the top heel, the top guy. He always had that it factor. You look at people like Braun Strowman, Bray Wyatt, uh, you know, even Dean Ambrose in some regards and Finn Balor, you look at Samoa Joe, these guys, you don't even, you don't view them as credible nowadays because every time push came to shove, when it was a huge major moment, you know, impactful moment in their career, they lost and they continue to lose. And that's all we view them as, as losers. Sadly, you know, Samoa Joe goes and challenges for the title. I instantly write him off. I don't give him a, a fair shake because you know, in my eyes, he's never going to achieve that 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 glory. And I shouldn't view it that way, but that's how they've preconditioned us to view him because, you know, they make him feel like a loser. And, they, you right. know, the many of these stars suffer from the same fate due to whether it be 50-50 booking or just lack of, you know, decent feuds or storytelling. But The Miz, he's always been in charge of his own destiny. He's always been able to command the audience to listen. When my hand goes up, your mouth goes shut. And that's just it. You know, for every time he's won something of a, of a, you know, a huge momentous occasion, he's lost something even bigger and yet still been able to walk away the top guy. And, that and uh, never injured incredible. too. Yes, that is that is also something that speaks a great deal. He's never injured anybody, you know, or injured, you know, been injured himself in the ring. When, so I mean, when he was doing the talking smack uh, promo, he had mentioned that he's like, I never got hurt. I'm like, no, nah, no nah, bullshit. He had to have. And I looked and obviously we just did the research today yeah. or, uh, for this. And uh, no, he has never been taken off of television due to an injury ever. Every time he's been taken off of television is either just to freshen him up, change his gimmick, or more importantly, uh, film one of like the Marine, whatever, <laughs> or be on another show. He has never been in. That is an astounding feat in and of itself. 
<laughs> that is that is uh, uh, you know something very rare to see nowadays. And and one last thing to kind of back up, you know, my my recap here is that when you look at uh, there's two two different you know uh, sources that I'm going through here, and when you look at the top ten or five matches that he's had, mm-hmm. most of them he's lost. So yes, it is a form of opinion that I'm giving here, but I'm backing it up with statistical fact that he's had his top matches are not ones that he's typically walked away victorious from. Right. Number five being the Miz and Kofi Kingston at the debut of main event. He lost that, but that's number five of all time. Number four, you know, Miz and Daniel Bryan at night of champions. He lost. He lost. Right. Yeah. Number three, the Miz versus Dolph Ziggler. No mercy. 2016. He lost. Number two, the Miz versus Daniel Bryan versus John Morrison at Hell in a Cell. Now he won here, but I mean, you're talking, you know, that that's one versus three. And then you had the Miz versus John Morrison with the Falls Count Anywhere match on Raw, the 3rd of January, 2011. This is before WrestleMania. And, you know, th- this one was a hard pill to swallow for the man who was surely set to achieve greatness before his former partner. So a lot of people, you know, they had the whole thing where, oh, you're I'm the Genetti, but now Miz is the WWE champion and Morrison right. is not. So, I mean, the story behind it was monumentally huge. And the Miz showed so much aggression, more than he's ever shown before and tons of heart. And Miz retained the title here. So that was voted the number one match uh, by fans. So Hot damn. Whew. Well, we broke our record. That's for damn sure. Absolutely. Fucking A. And I kind of figured because, like I said, we looked into this and, and we kind of figured this was going to be a long-ass one. But if you guys love this, we'd love to hear your guys' feedback, what you guys thought of the episode, what you guys loved about The Miz, what you guys hate about The Miz, your memories of anything Miz-related. Hit us up in the comments below or hit us up on social media. And don't forget, this is also available on all major audio platforms. So we have iTunes, Stitcher Radio, Spotify, uh, Google Podcasts. It's also available on there. Um, if you guys haven't done so already, make sure you guys not only hit the subscribe button here on youtube but also subscribe to jake's channel jake what's your is your youtube channel countdown ended as well yes it is and uh don't forget if you're listening to this on youtube right now you can actually hear episode four the next month episode uh you know a month ahead of time it's probably Mm -hmm. already live on patreon so you want to go ahead and make sure you subscribe to connor's patreon that's patreon.com slash okfabe he does a bunch of great extras and a ton of content, a lot of bonus material on there you don't want to miss out on. Also, uh, patrons had chimed in as well, and it was pretty unanimous. They said that the Miz's best match for them overall was the Miz in the Fatal 4-Way against Cesaro, Sami Zayn, and Kevin Owens at Extreme Rules 2016. Yeah, I remember that. That was his first title defense after, the, after he won the title. That thing was nasty. Yes. I remember that match very well. So, uh, man, this was a lot. This was fun, though, and I enjoyed every single moment. Oh, and of course, let us know who you guys want us to do next. I think I have an idea of who I want Episode 4 to be about, but I don't want to spoil anything too much. You guys will have to just wait and see or become a patron and figure out who Episode 4 is going to be about. But, uh, man, this was fun. This was a blast. Oh, my God. Any other closing segments about The Miz before we wrap things up here, Jake? No, I, I'm I'm really glad we got to touch upon this. You know, you, you forget just how much he's accomplished, how many title victories and reigns he's had and, you know, really all he's gone through. So and especially coming from, like I said, not so home beginnings and all the drama that happened backstage, he's really turned himself into a locker room leader, which is damn impressive. 
Absolutely. Well, guys, that's going to wrap this up. Yeah, I can't even talk. This is going to wrap up this episode of Wrestling Retrospective. If you guys haven't done so already, again, subscribe, like, comment, share, all that fun jazz. Love to hear your thoughts and suggestions about everything for future episodes. You guys know me. I'm Connor, a.k.a. Fabe. That is Jake DeMarco at Countdown. And if you guys want to follow us on social media, thank you guys so much for tuning in for this ridiculously long episode. And we'll see you guys next time for another episode of Wrestling Retrospective. Take care, and as always... 